were bad, but now they're okay. Only me or my, you're the apple of my eye, girl. I never loved one like you. Found you hiding here, so won't you take my hand, darling? There's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular, Lar. Surfing 18, and you've heard all of the Blaine stuff from the early his early life through season three. Now we're gonna tackle tackle the second half. I can speak correctly, and we're just gonna talk about Blaine and older Blaine and all the fun stuff that comes along with. We're gonna talk about really old Blaine too. So just. Hold on to your butts, because we got a lot of good conversation. All right, and I got awesome guests with me, and I will let them introduce themselves. So go for it, girls. Um, I'm Izzy. I'm the dog mark on Tumblr, and I really enjoy talking about Blaine. So it's going to be great. Hi, guys. I'm Lauren, and I'm somewhere only I know on Tumblr, and I'm really excited to really get into Blaine as well. Right. We're going to really get into Blaine in this one, okay? Not you, Susan. <laughs> no, that's not our job. No. <laughs> um, so, of course, I'm going to start out the podcast with, you know, the most depressing thing we could talk about. We've got to get it over and done with. <laughs> we got to get it over. But this is the, I don't know, this is probably, well, I guess we're going to talk about the season six stuff too, but, you know. I think this is also where we learn so much about him, though. Yeah. And I think we're going to start... I don't know. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff in this section. So we start off, and we're with Lane in the summer. I mean, let's talk about what the summer of between seasons three and four was like. What did we not see in Blaine's life? Like, let me throw that out there to you guys. What do you think Blaine was doing that summer? I feel like he was spending a lot of time with Kurt. I mean, that goes without saying. But I feel like a lot of it, and 
with a lot of the stuff that happened in season three and especially towards the end of season three, I get the sense that a lot of that summer was spent, I guess, listening to Rachel especially probably talk about New York and consoling Kurt about New York and perhaps still talking about New York even though Kurt was not going. And I think all of that together probably created a mind space that we then start seeing towards the early part of season four. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I, I have a feeling like Blaine would have done a lot of listening to Kurt yeah. talk about New York and talk about what happened at the end of season three with him not getting into Nyada. And but I think listening and hearing that that's still somewhere that Kurt feels he needs to be and Blaine perhaps understanding that um, that's what's going to end up happening anyway and wanting that to happen for him as well because he's the one who really sends him off at the beginning of season four. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot, he's basically doing a lot of listening and a lot of spending time with him and maybe even thinking of ways to make that happen or make that happen for the both of them. Do you guys get the sense that it was probably lonely in a way too, because yeah, he's with Kurt all the time, but Kurt's kind of miserable and he's kind of being like a passive person where things just kind of happen and he's not really like hanging out with people. He's just hanging out with Kurt and Kurt's lamenting about how his life sucks and he's just kind of, yep. And there and kind of quiet and just kind of sad. It's just a really sad headcanon. Well, I think but that's my headcanon. That, that really lends its well, leads into what happened at the start of season four where Blaine didn't feel like he had any friends. Mm. And I, I find that really interesting because I wonder, and again, the show never really uh, confirmed any of this, but you know, there was a period of time where I think Sam might have been living at Kurt and Blaine's house, and yet, you know, well, not, sorry, not Kurt, I mean, Kurt's house, sorry. Yeah. And yeah, like, <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. Look, Blaine was spending enough time there probably over that summer that it might have been his house. To <laughs> but like, <laughs> and, yet they still, and yet they still were not friends yet. And I feel like that speaks a lot to, to whatever was happening over that time period. Blaine was probably just spending all of his time with Kurt and really nobody else. Yeah. I mean, we see at the beginning of season four, like, he is kind of not hanging out with other people. I mean, like when they do the, the, um, the run for, I mean, yeah, run for student president. He's just like, Oh yeah, this is Sam. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Like he's doing, Oh, let's talk about all the clubs that he's probably doing. Like, is he having fun with any of that or what's going on there? I just, before, before we move on from that, I, I wanted to know was, do you think that, I mean, in Blaine's mind, it's always been him and Kurt going to New York. And for a period of time, obviously, it's not that he didn't think Kurt was going to go to New York, but it was something that maybe was put on hold for a while. Do you think Blaine ever put his own, like he went, well, does this mean at the end of this coming you know, school year, I might not go to New York? Like, do you think he was prepared to do that? I, this is just my head canon, and, and you guys all know I don't come from the, like, Blaine side of things, so feel free to tell me I'm wrong. Um, You're wrong! <laughs> <laughs> I kind of get the feeling that he was, like, not thinking so much of himself, but letting kind of Kurt lead him into wherever he was going to go. So Kurt's like, okay, well, new plan, I'm going to go to community college, and you can come with me, and we'll do this, this, and this. And Blaine's like, okay. And not really, like, being a functional person on his own. I mean, he was trying to get attention from Kurt, 
like even by like picking out his clothes, like with the tie thing, like, hey, Kurt, what do you think of this? Or, hey, if I'm president, maybe it'll impress Kurt or whatever. And so all of his like all of his actions revolve around like impressing Kurt or helping Kurt or being there for Kurt or trying to make sure this relationship is working that I think he loses himself and who he is and what he wants. So I don't, yeah. Yeah. I think he's definitely, he's thinking of what he's, or not maybe even consciously, but definitely thinking and trying to conceptualize ways to be what Kurt needs and to get that for Kurt. He's really not thinking about himself or his future much so I really don't think he's thought about other options other than okay this is what our like Kurt wants his future to be this is what our future is going to be like he still thinks of himself in relation to Kurt and what Kurt needs and what Kurt wants really he hasn't he hasn't become a real boy yet yeah it just makes me really sad like like, you can want more from your life (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And Absolutely. Like, think about, think but it's about a very teenage way of teenage yeah. idea of relationships. So, think about the fact that even after he starts to become a real boy, and not that I'm jumping ahead, but that you know, after dynamic duets and he starts to become in his own, his school plans are still to go to Niata and follow Kurt. It's really not until season six that he fully becomes an individualized character again. That's his own person. Um, but this is definitely the road to that. But yeah, it's just kind of, I mean, I've, I've made, I enjoy my, the whole storyline. I made my piece with it, but I, I just dislike the fact that he becomes his own person and then gets married in the process. It's sort of, sort of like, mm, yeah. Yeah, but whatever. It's like, okay. <laughs> I, I, I definitely agree. By the end of it, it, it does feel a little bit more like, okay, we've kind of been through this arc and we've got there, but. It still kind of just makes me sad a little bit thinking about it. And especially well, knowing we now know what happens what's going to happen mm-hmm. after what we're talking about now, which is even, you know. It's you know, funny. Yeah. It's just like Blaine's so much in that like teenage mindset of this is what a relationship, a successful relationship will be after with me in high school and Kurt moving on. He's st- like, he's still in that mindset of having to, constantly think about them as a we and not him individually and what he wants but what they want and what they will do but in his mind at the moment because he blame is blame it's constantly about like people pleasing and what people and pleasing Kurt mm-hmm. yeah. Can I, ask, I, not, I don't know if you guys talked about this on the other blame podcast I apologize because I haven't listened to it where do you think Blaine learnt this about relationships is this something that he saw his parents and their own dysfunctional relationship is it something that he's learn through osmosis through television and movies like when does yeah we did talk about that a little bit and i'll let you guys open the floor for that to have your own opinions because i know i'm sure you have opinions on it um we kind of talked a lot about blaine's family life and how that kind of shaped his view of the world but also because his parents probably were not like Kurt's parents and they were kind of detached in their upbringing of him um not only did he learn this kind of like you know he was detached from them so he's kind of craving love but he he learns about this kind of fairy tale-esque love from media from you know films and television whatever and so he kind of falls into the trap of well this is what it's supposed to be like because these people on tv are happy 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we kind of came to the conclusion of. But, I mean, feel free to come in with your own headcanons on it because there isn't anything that explicitly says it. So there can be totally different directions on that. I think I, I would agree. Yeah, no, go for it. Oh, no, it's all, it's all good. You go. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say, I feel like that's a, that's a pretty accurate assessment. Um, I don't know. I have seen some people who, who dislike the idea that Blaine's parents were cold and detached, and I find that to be an interesting idea to explore, especially in fic. But I feel like it's just easier to kind of be like, well, this is why else would he spend all his time with Kurt and Kurt's family? And, like... You know, it, it explains. It can help to explain some things about him. So it, it just seems like an easy explanation. Um, I also so, think, even if like they're not necessarily that way, and that often like children can perceive their parents to be, or just like misinterpret and like communication and perceive their parents to be something or a way they're not, and when, and when in which case their parents are very just just human. Um, yeah. and not perfect and so you could make a case for kind of both sides of it and it could it could just be kind of Blaine internalizing um a, a message that's maybe not even being sent mm-hmm. um and it's just yeah. coming from two people that are very human yeah yeah we kept so around the idea that you know maybe Blaine's dad was just working all the time and it wasn't yeah. that he like disliked him it just or whatever it was just that he wasn't there and yeah. then maybe you know his mom just didn't have the tools herself like she just wasn't the you know that stereotypical like loving mother she you know she just was a person who you know she did her Mary Kay thing and, you know, had her brunches and whatever. And she tried to love her kids, but she wasn't the greatest at it, but didn't mean she sucked at it. Like, mm. I feel like, you know, especially when there's a blank slate and you Fannin has to fill it in. I sometimes feel like they go to extremes on things. So it's either like, you know, his parents were abusive or whatever. And mm. it can't be just like this normal, like, yeah, his parents were fine, but they weren't great, but they weren't, they weren't Bert, but they weren't Puck's parents or, you know, (laughs) so there is this gray area that he, they could fall into. So, yeah. Sorry, I didn't. (laughs) What I do. (laughs) You could definitely definitely kind of make a case of buying, having some kind of attachment um, issues. Yeah. Especially since we had in unhealthy ways and maybe even, um, with Cooper as his older brother, um, mm-hmm. watching Cooper unfall into relationships and maybe how Cooper treated his partners as someone who you could argue was um, maybe quite narcissistic and maybe wanting to be the opposite of that. So mm-hmm. you could, you could, you know, make an argument yeah. for that. I mean, the whole point of this podcast is to to kind of color in why Blaine is the way he is. I mean, we just don't have enough information. And the funny thing to me is that a lot of the reasons Blaine kind of became the way he was was be- to address issues in the writing. Like, 
Blaine didn't have any friends. Okay, <laughs> well, and he was too attached to Kurt, and Kurt was going to leave. So what can we write around this? And not saying that like it became a bad thing, because I thought we got some really great and interesting characterization from Blaine out of it. I just think that, unlike Kurt, who has this kind of world built around him, Blaine didn't necessarily have that. And so anytime yeah. the writers came across an issue, like Blaine doesn't have friends, um, they, they made a story around that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I was never going to disagree or argue with having more Blaine storyline, but it, it always, sometimes it did feel a little bit forced in that, you know, we created this problem and now we've got to fix it. Like, yeah. it, it, it would have been, it would have felt a little bit more organic had, had it been addressed prior to that. But I understand when, as Blaine coming in as a character that came, that was a little bit later on. Um, yeah. It didn't quite work. I think the main issue was that none of this was addressed in season three or season two. We had to wait until season four. Right. Had to exactly. had to get through all that the other characters' storylines. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's yeah. We we talked a lot about like Kurt was probably one of the only characters who actually had a world built around him yeah. because it's not just a Blaine issue. I mean, look at Tina, look at Artie, look yeah. at even Sam, like a lot of these characters, Mercedes, Mike, they, they have little bits and pieces, but we can only really, you know, there's a lot of blanks to fill in. Whereas yeah, Kurt really, is probably Kurt literally got Dalton. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> So, but I mean, I, I guess that also makes this kind of fun and having a fun conversation about, okay, yeah. well, what can we come up with? So, yeah. so yeah, we well, got this <laughs> back to season four and this poor sad Blaine, um, who is kind of now, do you guys feel like there was a part of him that was also like isolating himself as well, like intentionally, like, you know, maybe Sam and Artie were like, hey, you want to hang out and play video games? And he's like, no, I just need to, you know, wait for Kurt on Skype when he, when, after Kurt leaves for whatever. Or do you think he wasn't even that friendly with them at that point? I think, I think he would have been friendly with them. But every time I think about that, I go back to that moment in season three where he and Sam kind of blew up at one another, where, you know, I think it's before one of the sectionals or regional episodes I forget but like Sam's trying to teach some body rolls and Blaine's like I'm not a stripper um or I'm not for sale and I just I just get the sense that you know you remove some people from a friendship group and a friendship group sort of falls apart mm-hmm. and that's the sense that I get from that like it wasn't even Kurt it would have probably been like Finn and Finn. Mike probably the glue that held them as a friendship group together and so it was more just like they don't they didn't didn't even necessarily think to hang out anymore. It was just sort of like, oh well, you know, Finn used to organize this and he's not here anymore. So mm. Oh, was you do you think that Finn I mean Sam and Artie didn't even think about asking Blaine to like, Yeah, hang out? that's what I get, yeah. Like yeah. Finn it's like Finn would always invite Blaine and so they just sort of forget that he might have been invited. And I and I feel like Blaine never didn't wouldn't have hold it held it against them. He just same thing, wouldn't think. Like Finn, you normally invited me to these guy hangouts and He's not around anymore, so. Well, okay, so let's talk about all of these clubs. <laughs> he's in, like, these 23 clubs. Do you, I mean, he's had to make, you know, we saw him with the Warblers and how easily he can integrate himself into this stuff. I mean, I'm assuming that he does have a multitude of, like, Facebook friends, and yeah, he likes well, doing all this yeah. stuff, and maybe they're just not close friends. yeah. I mean, he seems like he's having a lot of time, a lot of fun with the zombie, like, apocalypse club. 
I feel like it's all just him trying to fill in the time. Like, if he spends too much time alone, that's when things will, like, if he stops, that's when things get hard. He decides, I'm not going to stop. Okay, so do you think that because he stopped for a moment, that's when the Eli thing happened? Like, he has... This is the thing. Okay, I don't know. Again, did you guys talk about this? Do you think he, that Blaine had, like, had been... A lot, like there's, there's a lot of people that think that maybe Blaine was diagnosed with some form of depression, depressive disorder after what happened to him at Sadie Hawkins happened, and he was dealing with that when he first arrived at Dalton, and then obviously a lot of people seem to think this is where it reappeared. Is that something that you guys agree we with? We didn't de- delve into that hardcore. I'm, um, we we really kind of stuck more with the like nat- nurture part of it than the nature mm-hmm. part of it. Like it was more of a just this was kind of, not really we didn't do the, a lot of the psychology doesn't mean we can't right now mm. but i'm just saying no we i don't think we really got into it that much um we kind of more talked about what you know what they were doing and like specific like points or like plot points mm. or whatnot not necessarily blaine's psychology I, I again i'm not i'm not a psychologist but a lot of what blaine is doing right now reads Somewhat, well, say right now in this time period, reads a little bit manic to me. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I, and it, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. I wasn't going to disagree with you. I was going to say, like, just as a, because I know people get so touchy about this subject, like a, um, um, oh, what do they call them? Uh, I'm, I'm blinking on the terminology at the moment, but just. Throwing it out there that, like, obviously we are not health professionals, healthcare professionals, and we're not, yeah. um, but, like, you know, I, there are definite systems, uh, sorry, symptoms of depression that Blaine shows, um, whether you feel that he was going through depression uh, chronically or, um, what's the short term has a name for it, and I can't remember what it is, uh, situational. Um, it's kind of up to your own headcanon and how you see the character and how you experience the character. And I don't mm-hmm. think that either uh, reading of him is wrong because we are not given explicit. I mean, he does say in season six that he is depressed. That is a thing that is canon and we can deduce stuff from that. But um, here I feel like, so I don't, I'm just saying we can definitely talk about this and, and open it up and hear what you guys have to say but there's no wrong answer so if somebody chooses not to see it that way i can't necessarily you know but i'm just kind of yeah. throwing that out there as a precursor to whatever conversation we get into <laughs> absolutely i kind of like when i always saw it as it was something that went undiagnosed for a long time um but was having effects way back from his recovery from Sadie Hawkins. And I think this is um, like when Kurt came along and when he was at Dalton, a lot of things were kind of very safe. Um, And he was in an environment where he um, he didn't really have to address a lot of it. It was very safe. And then he found Kurt. And I think this is a time where he's starting to spiral and things are out of control again for him and he can't really get a grip on things. And I think the situation with Eli where it starts is even though he's a part of all these clubs and trying to fill in all this time, I don't think it's necessarily that it's a time when it stops, but it's just it's just not working. 
Um, and I think he's just spiralling and these issues to kind of raise their ugly head again. I feel like um, a lot of people, and I, and I really dislike that I'm going to say this, but I feel like a lot of people sort of use this as a, this explanation, you know, like their blame was depressed as an explanation to kind of excuse the behaviour, which is not something that I agree with at all. But, like, this is where we come to a – because we're coming up to a point where fandom basically splinters. Mm. And I think I think it's a way to definitely understand. Yeah, exactly. correct. So, it's not, a, it's not an excuse, but it's a nice yeah. way to understand it. But I think that, that may be one of the reasons why a lot of people dislike this reading. Um, and I just feel like – it needed to be like no I, I mean it's not it's just it's just an interesting way to explain it and and given the tidbits that we're given some people it makes sense and to other people yeah it doesn't make sense and that's fine but I just find it it's the one that makes the most sense or not the most sense but makes a lot of sense to me and there's a reason why a lot of people like it features heavily in a lot of people's fan fiction <laughs> I read yeah well and I think and, that, I mean, just judging by what we're going to go through in season six, if he gets yeah. that depressed through that to the point where, and I, we'll talk more about it when we get to season six, because I have some <laughs> definite thoughts about that, um, that you can deduce that season four was right. maybe not even as, because I think he got in a deeper depression in season six, um, that season four was a long-term, like he's been feeling this way for a long time. And yeah. I, I can, I, you know... It could be one of those things where it comes in waves because, you know, maybe after Sadie Hawkins, I kind of see, I always said the split that I noticed Blaine starts really in Born This Way. He's really sad to let Kurt go back to McKinley. Like, he, he does, he sings Somewhere Only We Know. That's not a happy, yeah. you know, you know, congratulations, you're going back to you. That's like a sad, depressing, I have to let go of you song. And after that, I mean, we just don't get very much characterization for him after that. But, like, he's just not... And part of it's the writing, part of it's that Darren becomes a jukebox, part of it's that, you know, we just don't get Blaine characterization for a long time. And when we pick it up again, it's, you know, Big Brother dance with somebody where he is not happy. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think he, I don't even, I, I don't even know if he really recognizes it in himself. He just, it's not like, you know, I don't know. That's just my reading of it is that like, he's just sad and lonely and wants mm -hmm. to hold on to this one thing that makes him happy and he's holding on so hard like he it just is causing all of these problems so he needs more things to make him happy you obviously didn't spend enough time in the dmd club blaine <laughs> i will say i always find it interesting that like so you know he's in that club he's in he becomes student president it's all about i i, feel, I was on this podcast so i feel like we talked about this it's all about like control for him too these are all positions mm -hmm. of like power within these group structures where he has control kind of has control over the group of people within the group um to tell them what to do or you know what what they're doing on that day and i just like even that if that's not satisfying to him it's sort of like well then what like i don't understand what what does he need other than kurt obviously but he needs something else <laughs> and I always find it interesting that one of the clubs he was a part of was like the zombie apocalypse, as in this <laughs> the is end of the world. Of, and yeah, like a way that like he was already exploring this idea that the, of the world falling apart when like 
outside and like as you said kind of away for him as a in a leadership position in a position of control when his world outside of that essentially really actually was falling apart mm-hmm. well i mean think about all the stuff that revolves around dance with somebody and and the thing that kurt doesn't get is that he's already you know way before dance with somebody at least a month before dance with somebody he's already prepared that that kurt's gonna leave and not come back and he's gonna be just sad and lonely Mm. he's already decided that's gonna happen and so he's just mentally starting to prepare for that even though he doesn't know so he's just he's living so much in the future that he's not living in the present poor kid but um um but yeah there's definitely traits of depression there i i i personally can see it um so so yeah, there's let's let's get into the nitty gritty of this Eli thing. <laughs> um <Love> that. <laughs> I mean, what in the world? Like we know that I mean it, it wasn't just that phone call, but like, you know, why would he make this decision and what actually happened? Well, who did do did does anyone have an opinion? Like, does he did he know Eli before this? Or I, you know what? Just, I, I wonder if it's one of the show choir blog people. I mean, come on. Okay. Like Ooh. You know, he's on these show choir blogs. He's on social media. It's really easy to meet people. And, I mean, I know it's a guy that friended him on Facebook, which seems totally random. But it wouldn't be if it was, like, you know, we're on this forum together. Yeah. Um, whatever. If it pre- started off as, like, friendly. Yeah. 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 We just and know that they never met in person because Eli says the now iconic is it because I don't look like my profile. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I could definitely see it as something that started off friendly on, like, on social media because uh, I can't see them just kind of having been random people that friended each other on Facebook because no. I don't understand how that happens. Yeah, how but, does that even happen? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, anytime but, any random person has ever friended me, he, it's been a really creepy person and I've clicked no because that's just – but that's happened, like, in the 10, 15 years I've had Facebook maybe three times. I mean, like yeah. – I wonder if they just – Facebook was, like, the only thing they couldn't really say, like, Tumblr, and anybody would know what that is, you know what I mean? Um, well, that's the um, thing, like, I, I can't judge people because I've, I've, you know, I've gone out and met people in real life that I know on Tumblr. Uh, hello, Lauren. Um, so, oh, yeah. so, like, it's not – like, these things don't happen. I just feel like for – I guess maybe – to be fair, this was however many years ago it was now – but doing it on Facebook just doesn't seem quite as organic as it happening on any other kind of social media. Oh, right. I, think- I just meant as a writer, the writers had to make something really easy and accessible to the general yeah, yeah. audience. So them saying yeah, on Facebook. I agree with your interpretation that it's probably because they couldn't choose a slightly more realistic. Uh, yeah, grinder. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> they, I, there are a couple of times they mention grinder on the show and it cracks me up every time they do. Um, so... Yeah, but I, I'm wondering if it's like Chandler was for Kurt, where like, you know, you meet the person and it's like, oh, we have this in common and we have show choir blogs and we're in show choir and, the, you know, and chatty, 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 chatty. And then, hey, you want to come over? I face, you know, we're going to be friends on Facebook now. And I'm sure it started off very innocent and Blaine, like just being friendly with this guy he has a lot in common with. And this guy's maybe being flirt, like really flirty with him. But Blaine's mm-hmm. probably not even like... I mean, he can be really oblivious sometimes. So he's probably not even thinking about it, but he's enjoying the validation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he maybe does kind of know what Eli's saying when he asks to come over, but he's maybe in his mind he's thinking, oh, it's not going to happen, or just not really even thinking about it, just in kind of enjoying it. 
um, join the attention because he's not getting that from Kurt. Right. He, he would later say that he that he did it because he thought, you know, let let me end this before Kurt does. So he, he at some point in that in that exchange, he came to the decision that this was what he was going to do. Oh yeah, I definitely don't think it's something that when he got there it just kind of happened. Well, I think at some I point mean, he did kind of make a decision about it. I'm wondering because first of all, I kind of think like this Eli guy does not seem to just my head canon, even though we saw like a half a second of this guy. I don't think he was Sebastian. I think it was no, okay. I, I, I yeah. do think he was a hey, let's just hook up because the guy's like whatever, you gotta go, you gotta go. But like, um. I think it was just a, hey, come over, and then Blaine gets there. And then I think when he realized what Eli wanted, that's when he makes the decision. You know, hey, this guy, you know, he comes in, he sits down, the guy's like, all right. You know, and then gets kind of cozy with him really quick. And Blaine's like, okay, let's do this. And And the guy probably... I wonder if Eli even knew, knew that Blaine had a boyfriend. No. I wonder if Blaine didn't like Facebook. I mean, mm. clearly, if he is like, what's the deal? Why are you, like, crying? Am I that bad in bed? I mean, come on. Like, I'm pretty sure he didn't. Yeah, but it would I, I would have expected, maybe, I mean, I know it would have probably been on Blaine's Facebook, but maybe. Oh, that's like, true. I think, but I, I think it happened. Mate, really I wonder quickly. if Blaine got there and maybe even told him that they weren't together anymore, because in his mind, they, they weren't. That's true. What could happen? What I want to know, so do you think he went, it it started at Eli's house or they went out and had some fun and then went back to Eli's house? Because I feel like this is where the show perhaps missed an opportunity to really throw a dagger into our hearts and maybe I'm glad we dodged a bullet. (laughs) But, like, if we'd seen them out and about and Eli had said those now famous words, do you want to go back? I want, no, I want to go to, no, Blaine said, I want to go to your house. Like, that would have been a... Some fun mm, times, sh- but like we never got to see that. So, like, I mean, did they, did Blaine, surely Blaine knew you don't go to a stranger's house. I'd like to well, think it start. Like they probably went out for coffee, but I'm guessing because Blaine has been in this. I'm going to follow somebody else mode for a while. I'm guessing Eli was like, let's get coffee and like, you're real cute. Let's go back to my place. And as soon as we get to my place, it's all right. And start making out. And that's like when it hits Blaine. I feel like there's not a lot of thinking that goes in involved. Like yeah. it just kind of starts happening and Blaine's like, oh, now I have a really important question for you guys. Oh God. <laughs> Do you think that Eli told Blaine why his Facebook picture was a lighthouse? <laughs> <laughs> Because that's <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Okay, at one point, at one point, at one point, point I was, uh, <laughs> I think it was when Tumblr went down, and I actually had some screenshots of this. I ch- I personally did change my own profile picture to a lighthouse. I'm pretty sure I found that lighthouse on on Google. It's just like a random lighthouse, and I did also go around messaging random friends. They were my friends. Hey, sexy, you want to come over? Um, <laughs> also, that, that's another thing that I completely forgot. So Eli texts him, do you want to come over? And the next thing, time we see them, he's over at his house. So, the, this, so like, at what point? So it seems as though Blaine went straight over to his house. <laughs> I had forgotten that that was the thing. Yeah, it, like, that's what, that's what I think happened. I think he did just go straight to his place. And yeah. maybe, like, in his mind, he's, tr- like, kind of in denial about what's about to happen and what he's doing but I think he kind of knows 
Yeah, yeah I think, I mean, I just feel like Blaine is that kind of person who he just kind of sometimes does something before really thinking about it. And yeah. I'm going to include Karofsky in that. I mean, like, he just kind of goes. It's almost with, like he you know, knows what it means, but he's telling himself it doesn't mean that until he's there. Yeah. He's, well, like, yeah. Exactly. Like, or you know what, maybe this won't be anything or not even thinking like, maybe this person likes me and I can take some solace and get find happiness in this person liking me. And then all of a sudden you're making out and having some kind of sex because something happened in that room. We don't really have to get into specifics (laughs) of that. Or Eli does like know he has a boyfriend and asks about him and Blaine kind of realizes he's already. See, and I just think the minute Eli brings up Kurt, Blaine would have chickened out. Yeah, I think I agree. That's true. Yeah. Just the minute, I think it was all sex right from the go. I don't think Blaine was thinking about it. But that's but just in response to your question about the lighthouse, I feel like it's probably somewhere that is big. <laughs> and like, I don't know, maybe maybe we can't see it, but he's in that lighthouse. Like, you know, you know, it's, kind of this, where it's like from a really long way away, but the person's like in front of the lighthouse. I mean, like, does he have family up in Michigan or Canada? Because, like, there aren't any lighthouses in Ohio. Or maybe it's, like, it's just a <laughs> metaphor and the fact that lighthouses, are, you know, they warn about danger. And he's Eli. Wow. And, like, warning yeah. sign to the audience, danger. <laughs> That's, That's fantastic. fantastic. <laughs> the lighthouse big, penis size. <laughs> I was going to say, you're taking it way... I mean, I, I love it, and I appreciate it, and I yeah. adopt that, because the the real reading on that is the lighthouse is a penis. Yeah. So. <laughs> Kendra's fan art is all I can think about. I'm really sorry. <laughs> that piece is one of my all-time favorites of this. Oh, my goodness. All right, so we can go on from this, if unless you guys have more that you want to talk about. Well, we're going to... Okay. I I don't know if we're moving on, on or whether or not we are we... Do, do people have a consensus about what exactly happened? Like, was there just making out? Mm. Was there some form of sexual relations? Yeah, I think like, that they, I think it was, um, you know, rubbing up on each other kind of thing. Yeah. I don't think it was anal sex. Um, no, I, but yeah. I think it was more than, I think people had orgasms. Um, yeah. So... But I do, I do want to point out that Glee did had always considered in other episodes that kissing another individual was satisfactory for people to can like to think that that was cheating. So like, but I, I think it was like a musical metaphor. Like, you know, Glee used music as a way to express various things, including sex. I would even argue that um, love, love is a battlefield between Kurt and Blaine was anger sex. Um, they had massive poles in their hands. Come on. <laughs> Uh, you know, a, you know, a lot of the stuff that they really did. Um, so yeah, this this kissing, you know, was the worst, the only thing that she show on the screen. But it ends up being metaphor or allegory or something. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I would agree. I would agree. There was probably some orgasms involved. If there was any sort of like, um. I, I think the the most it would have gone to would have been a blowjob, but even then, I'm not even sure whether. I mean, there were some comments about when he's like, "Do you want a glass of water?" That yeah, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I I think it was smart of them though not to explicitly say what it was because I think it is better to, for us to draw our own conclusions. And if 
you really only want Blaine to be making out with the guy, then you can say that. But it's not. But it was also very. However, it happened didn't really matter. It's that that it did happen. You know, he was with Eli in a way that constituted sex for him and cheating. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. Although you say it was probably smart, it was smart, but it was also very dangerous because this is where <laughs> this is where people got to fill in their own gaps. And there were some people who were not quite as uh, big a fans as we are, and um, they took much heavier license, or he- much more liberty with this whole scenario. It was not great. No, it wasn't. Um, yeah. But we can move on to happier times. Um, we so got yeah, through the part, right? But I do, I, I do we got through like, the bad part. I do want to say like one more thing before we move on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just because I I hadn't heard it mentioned yet in a way that um, as t- like touching on Blaine's depression and that this was such as like a self destructive behaviour and this is something that we'll kind of see Blaine do again when he gets these moments of like fear and insecurity and. Um. Yeah. Like I. Oh, well, this is how I see it. Anyway, I see it as something that's really like a self destruction and like almost like self sabotage behavior. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely I'm, moving, I'm just moving forward a little bit in in a way to season five. Do you think it's interesting that in season four it seems as though Blaine, as you say, it was this was self destructive behavior on his part, whereas in season five it's almost as if he tries to hold too tightly to Kurt because. In the like in season in earlier, he'd he'd let him go, and obviously this is what has ha- had happened. So in season five, he was almost like, no, we're going to try the complete opposite and try and like never be apart from one another, which is sort of what he was doing, I guess, before this. But like, it just seems interesting to me. It is. It's. I. I don't. It wasn't. How do I put this? As we move forward. I don't think Blaine's issues were ever really resolved until after the season six breakup. I think that he has all of these like issues where he feels like he's been abandoned or that, you know, he's not going to, Blaine feels like he's not allowed to have happiness for whatever reason. (laughs) And you know, whatever this nice thing happened to me, which is Kurt and Kurt leaves him like, okay, well, Kurt's going to leave me just because everybody leaves me. We did talk about that. The other one that like people probably, you know, maybe his dad was just always gone, but, Cooper definitely left maybe like a grandparent passed away that he really loved you know people leave him so he's always kind of like ready for the next person to go and so you know Blaine or Kurt's gonna leave and so he's um he's trying to cut himself off from that but then when he like you know starting at the beginning or in near towards the end of the season four stuff when he finds that Kurt's back to back with him or going to come back to him, he kind of starts holding on and it's like, okay, I don't want that feeling again. How can yeah. I secure this the best way I can? Well, uh, I'm going to put a ring on it. We're going to get married. We're going to have this happy life. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold on. And I mean, I also, yeah, that does play a huge part as into what happens in, in season six and why they break up a second time. But at the same time, I'd just like to remind everybody that it's two people and Kurt's got his own issues. So like, yeah. It's mm. not just Blaine's fault for anything. For first breakup, for the second breakup, for any of their issues. Like, yeah. yes, Blaine like, is trying to really hold on, but also Kurt's got to have, like, you know, Kurt's got to figure some shit out too. So yeah, like the second the second breakup was definitely still related to issues that were ongoing from mm-hmm. the first. Right, and once I mean, the, the, uh, season six 
Blaine to me feels like a, a person who stands on his own two feet and as a person who does his own thing and he chooses to be with Kurt because he loves Kurt, but not doesn't seem to need him in the way that he did all of these other seasons, like from seasons three through five. Yeah. Well, so going back to season four, kind of moving it along, um, we've got Blaine, like, I feel like there's not a lot of time between, you know, I think he spent a lot of time post breakup just kind of by himself and then dynamic duets happens and he starts to kind of fall into being with friends and being with people who love him. And I, I think he throws himself into those friendships, which is a good thing. I, I don't, I don't see these friendships as bad things at all. Like, you know, some, cause I Blaine could have, you know, attached himself to Sam and yeah, he doesn't get a crush on Sam, but like to the point where he was suffocating Sam or Tina or whoever, and he doesn't do that. Um, he seems to form functional relationships <laughs> with these other people, and that's a good thing. Um, if this, I, I don't know, you were saying before this that when you were in the Kurt one, you, you talked about a lot of different things, but of those things, there was, a lot, there was some talk about fic, I think. Is that correct? Oh, we talked in the Blaine one. In the Kurt, oh, no, sorry, you're right. The Kurt one. Um, yeah, we talked about Fanon and kind of like, because with the Kurt one, because Kurt's, you know, Kurt's story is so fully realized that there isn't anything to be like, hmm, I don't understand how the writers got from here and that. It was such an actual complete story that we started talking about how fandom looked at Kurt differently and differences between Fanon and canon and stuff like that. Because okay. I don't know whether this is something that I can do. So you can cut this out if you feel. You can um, definitely do it, Izzy. Yeah. That's fine. No, no. One of my all-time favorite fix this fandom has ever produced is like an 8,000-word, gen- generally genfic about Blaine that sort of talks about how he got from the breakup to um, Girls and Boys on Film. And from that really kind of sad, mm-hmm. depressed Blaine to a... A much more functional, happy human who was just running around singing songs with his friends, and I cry every time I read it. And so, if if anyone wants to, it's called "We Can Be Heroes" by Look Ninjas, and I really, really love yes. it. Yeah, I love that one too. I don't think I've read that one. I'll have to check yeah. that out. Yeah, it's re- um, it's like every character has their own like superhero persona. Mm-hmm. And yeah, really, I, say, I cry every time I read it, That's and a it's a really interesting way to, yeah, as you say, go as as we're talking about how how did Blaine get from someone who's somewhat as like in that really sad place to kind of into that, you know, happy, really happy person, and I think in that I think it supposes that he probably got some help, some like medical help, like legitimate, you know. Um, therapy and such yeah that's where it sort of started for him and I I don't know maybe it's because I've read it so many times I kind of take it on as my own head canon but I would like to think that in that time period at least from getting to point a to point b that's probably where he did maybe go and get some help <laughs> yeah well yeah I totally feel you because sometimes you kind of attach yourself like for me Ms. Q's scenes between a breakup yeah um, they're excellent really get that's my Kurt head like, I could not understand 
like the the Kurt side of it at all, really. I mean, like, because there was just no story there or anything about the story at all, because there just was not a story there. And so I had to turn to fan fiction for that. And um, yeah, that's really fine. I'm glad you brought that up. And and definitely, you know, you can rock effect. But um, it's interesting, like, we see a lot of process kind of through dynamic duets through Christmas, which is pretty cool. And we kind of see him growing. And um, I am curious as to how much do you think Kurt and Blaine were having conversations and whatnot between Thanksgiving and Christmas? Do you think it was just texting? Do you think they were just talking more? Um, I think between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I still probably don't think there was a lot because when Blaine turns up in New York, Kurt's still really um, not all that comfortable, not or not a hundred percent. And because we know that he, he was planning to go back to Ohio, and for whatever you know, that didn't happen. They still end up in New York instead. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there was a lot. I think more it happened like there was more after Christmas rather than before. I'd say it was probably more than text messages because I feel like it's much easier for Kurt to control. Would have been easier for Kurt to control a conversation if it were text messages because like you can he doesn't have to respond to them straight away and he doesn't have to yes. hear Blaine's voice. And then, which makes me somewhat sad thinking that Blaine might have been sending these text messages and he might not have been as obsessively looking at his phone waiting for a response anymore. You know, you might he might have for a moment and then Sam would have noticed it and been like, hey, come do this. And he mm. would have. That, it would have hopefully been more like that. But I would think if they were having any sort of conversation, it probably would have been not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if also... Blaine's life starts to once he starts to really incorporate Sam and you know Tina and the other Glee Club members into his life again if his life picks up I mean he's in these 23 clubs um and they don't probably stop after the break he's he's the president he he gets this friend group he Glee Club really starts to pick up Uh, while that Kurt that hurt from being you know with Kurt or not with Kurt uh is still there I'm guessing a lot of good things are happening in his life again. Um, and can we also, we're going to have to talk about the insanity of Blaine's senior year because it's crazy. <laughs> this thing, what, this just little, that it goes forever. It goes <laughs> forever. Yeah, well, think about the amount of things that happen in this season. I mean, you know, he starts off, he, you know, cheats on his boyfriend and he, and they break up. And then they kind of start sleeping into it with each other, you know, then they decide to get engaged and then Finn dies. And then, you know, and like all of this stuff happens in one nine month period is insane. And then school shooting thing happens. And oh, my God, Um, your time periods. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like. I, I just think there's so much going on. I, it probably is helpful that Blaine seems like a very social person. So whenever he can, it's, hey, let's go play video games. Let's go see this movie. Let's go practice this show choir thing. Let's go do this and that and the other thing that hopefully his life, you know, because I feel like being in high school, sometimes you can be busier than when you're in college. Like yeah. college is definitely a busy time, but you definitely have time where you're like, I don't have class for three days. I can dick around and do whatever I want. But with, um, you have all these extra curriculars and stuff like that. I feel like he would have been super busy and hopefully that helps with his mental state. 
Does and also, he was in his senior year, so some studying must have happened at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did pass. <laughs> he was, what, third in the class? <laughs> Look, I, I think of him a lot like my younger sister, who who was literally that person who was like, um, she was school captain, she did all this sport, she was part of all these things, and she, she also ended up being the ducks of the school. So, like, I feel like it's possible, and it's, it's a lot of work, but you can do it. Um, uh, but, um, the thing that I, I want to, I want to know is I had a train of thought and now I've lost it. Hang on. Um, (laughs) I remember that you guys did frenemies with me because I had you, because it explained to me what ducks was because I didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We did. (laughs) So go back and listen to frenemies. They'll explain it for you. (laughs) Ducks is basically like the valedictorian. In your, yeah, I think, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, now that I've derailed you completely. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, it's gone now. If I remember it all, okay. I'll bring it that's fine. Um, let's talk about Christmas for a real quick sec. Do you? What do you guys think happened between Kurt and Blaine and Christmas? They didn't Ooh. talk because they're <laughs> stupid. <laughs> They promised they would, and they didn't. <laughs> that should just be the name of the subtitle of the story. Claim they didn't talk because they were stupid. <laughs> yeah, well, if they're stupid. <laughs> well, do you guys have any thoughts about to whether? Because a lot of people kind of sometimes argue about whether they hooked up here or not, and when they met up again in I do, that was kind of a continuation of something that happened here. Well, there's my head cannon personally and what it's kind of funny. My head cannon and what I think actually happened are two different things. Like mm. I really like the idea that they hooked up because it's kind of messy and complicated and they didn't talk about anything. And there's an interesting story there, um, which is how mm. like whenever I come to it, that's what I talk about at the same time. How do I think it's framed? No, I don't think that they hooked up, especially because Bert was there. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't think the show framed it that way. When he says we're together on Christmas and Valentine's day, it's literal like, Hey, we are together on holidays because we're a family, not because we keep hooking up. Um, so it's yes. weird that I have this kind of dual duality of thoughts, but I do. So I can see that. I can see that like Glee wasn't meaning to like, that's not what they were saying happened. Like that's not what they were, the story they were telling, but I could definitely see it as being like something you personally believe would make sense for how like their behavior and how they were acting or just their emotional messiness at the time. Yeah. That makes sense. I'd like to think that, you know, obviously, I mean, I know Bert was there, but obviously Kurt was going through it. And isn't, I mean, Blaine has already proven that he's there. He wants to be there for Kurt when Kurt's going through things. So, like, if Kurt had reached out in that way, I'm sure Blaine would have obliged him. And I'm sure, and, and we're kind of at that point in, in their relationship still where it sort of feels like, even though Blaine is trying to move on, as soon as Kurt even shows him, like, you know, gives him even a hint of, hey, let's do this, Blaine, and probably be like, yeah, let's do it. Because he's not really into that self-preservation life right now. Do you guys yeah. really think that he considered actually moving on? Because I always got the impression, and again, just my own take on it, is that he's just worked on, he wanted to work on fixing things, not necessarily moving away from Kurt, but making them better again. Yeah, I always kind of believe that 
towards the end of season four, even though he came out happier and maybe in a better place, part of that was because he believed that, okay, we're it for each other. We're going to get back together. We are meant for each other. Like that, him being with Kurt and then being having a future together was still part of his mindset. And I think that's the difference between this breakup and then the one in season six where he had to actually um, – find a way to be happy and being okay with them not having a future and not being together. And I think that's different. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's why I think. So that, I yeah. don't think he'd kind of come to that point here yet, but I think his journey towards being happier, part of that was because I think him and Kurt were kind of coming back together at this point. Um, swearing off labels, whatever it be, but... um. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny when you think about the fact that it's such a... I mean, it was so agonizingly long for us because we had to wait for so long, but when you think about it, they break up in October, but by November, they're talking again. So it's a a crappy month, yeah. But they're never really apart apart. I mean, Kurt says I love you at Thanksgiving still, so I can see in Blaine's head... They had a crappy month, but they were never really fully broken up, broken up, find new whatever type thing. I mean, think about how he completely disregards the notion of Adam. Like, fuck that guy. I don't care. You know? (laughs) He finds out about Adam. Well, how do you think he finds? I can't remember. But I just want to like. Before we get into Adam, because we'll talk about Adam in just a second. Let's talk about Sam for just a second. And. Because I think a lot of people, especially with the, I mean, yeah, I do think the order of episodes got a little weird because they did move things around. But I, it, there's this weird thing where people want to say, okay, Blaine had feelings for say I'm here, and then he goes back to his feelings for some Kurt here, as if they can't be. Oh my god, mutual. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I like can't be. Or you can have feelings for two people at the same time, right? Yeah. So I, I feel like. You're only allowed to like one person at a time. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's how emotions work. <laughs> yeah. And if you love right. Sam, he obviously doesn't and can't love Kurt. Obviously. So that's how Correct. I'm going to switch it. At 9 o'clock, I'm going to like Izzy, and then at 10, it's just going to flip, and yeah. I'm just going to like Lauren. That'll be it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, just uh, – it's just—it's not even like it's a missing scene we need to fill in, but just a conversation. I feel like continually having that, like, because you can have multiple feelings at different levels for different people all the continued time, and it's not a bad thing. And people made it such a another way to ship or war. It drives me crazy. So. Just a, no, it's just another way to hate on Blaine. Yeah. Um, I also, I mean, it was also because I think Blaine was very aware of his crush on Sam, or eventually, not with that, but like very self-aware of the fact that, hey, I'm crushing on Sam, but I feel like he knew exactly what he was going to get out of any, like he was never going to get anything out of that romantically. And I think I I really honestly like the way that Tina ended up putting it, which was, you know, you need to put your love somewhere. And I just, I just really like that idea. It was, mm-hmm. and it goes back to this whole being safe thing because it was a very safe thing to do. You know what I think is really interesting about that moment, though, as the fact that she he kind of brushes it off, as in, yeah, it is something that he's doing, but I do think that his feelings for Sam, 
while they start out as a crush, I, I'm, I'm there, it develops into, you know, I love this person because he's my best friend and he's a good person and he's part of my life. And as a teenager, you, you can't always separate those feel like, Oh, maybe I'm in love with this person. Oh wait, no, this guy's just a really good friend. But like, I, I do like the fact that he kind of insinuates, well, yeah, I mean, I, Kurt, my, you know, love for Kurt is still there and lingering and whatever. But this thing with Sam is, its own thing. It is not, it doesn't have to be tied into it. it there are parts of it. It is. I'm not going to say it's not, but it can be its own separate thing as well. It's also not fraught with all of the stuff that his relationship with Kurt is fraught with. So it, it's just, it's just nice. <laughs> such a ter- I mean, I, I, I think nice is not a great adjective, but it's just, that's mm-hmm. just what it is. It's yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think it's cool that like, it's just something like I could like to go back to because people get so up in arms over that stupid song, and I'm like oh, up against all odds. Yeah, now it's about mm. Sam, y'all get over it. <laughs> Look at Kitty's face; it's about Sam. Yeah, Blaine's an intense guy. He like he he sings his emotions a lot, and you know, there sometimes it's going to be about Sam. It's fine; doesn't lessen anything, but. Again, should be more. The problem is that people thought of it as as like cheapening Blaine's love for Kurt, and then it, it's just like which which boy went and decided to propose to his you know not quite boyfriend. However many episodes later, like how does this change the way that he feels for Kurt? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, so it was a good time in fandom, to be fair. Like uh, people, there were things that people wanted and they weren't getting, and it, yeah. You know, yeah. We well, know what else is kind of like, interesting. Oh. How little Blaine arc we actually get post Sadie Hawkins. There's not. I mean, yeah, he's got a crush on Sam, but there's no real story arc there. I, I, I was thinking about this last time I was going through season four. And, like, yeah, there are a lot of really interesting bits and pieces in different episodes, but there's not an overarching thing. And, and um, I mean, now we can get into the Adam stuff and the proposal stuff, but, like, you know, you got to, like, him, his actual, he, he became a lot of jukebox playing again. And, like, not not as much going on in the second half of season four. But I feel like there was not a lot going on in the second half of season four, just generally. True. <laughs> it's oh. a lot of Jarly. It is a lot of Jarly. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, I mean, it's kind of funny because I actually like the second half of season four more than I like the first half, but it's a lot of new stuff. I would agree stuff. there as well. Uh, it's kind of funny. It, it, or there's a lot of Tina and the, that crush. And... I remember the time me and Izzy and Mel all got together and we were all having like a glee marathon. And we were just loving, like, even though it was rough, but we were loving getting through season four and the back half of season four. And we were yeah. like watching it and remembering how much we enjoyed, enjoyed those episodes. There, yeah. Was, yeah, not as dark as the first half. And I think because there isn't, there really isn't an, except for maybe some of the Finchel stuff. There's not an overarching like story there. It's just fun episodes. It's that I, I mean, I, mostly because they know that they're gonna stall for a while. But um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, what, but, um, what do you think they they figured out they were gonna stall her? Because it was obvious that around um, around when they um, were probably. Uh, 
there's a definite stall point when they get guilty pl- after guilty pleasures is when they they you can tell that they're like oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah definitely yeah, and I yeah. think that when they were writing those stories that I don't know Stan I don't know why they decided they wanted to um. I don't know if it was because they knew they were going to try and get Corey to rehab. I don't know if it was because they're like, if we have two more seasons, it probably was around the time when they found out they had more, two more seasons. And Ryan Murphy was like, he had this weird comment about how he wanted to do two 30 episode seasons, which he essentially Mm -hmm. ended up doing. um, Cause season five breaks in half pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Um, But um Around they that do, time. They, like, I feel like they were doing some, like, plot stuff with the newbies again, though. Because they were doing some stuff with Unique and with Ryder um, and Jal. Yeah. I think it's See, just not stuff we remember or consider important. Yeah. There was so <laughs> much Charlie stuff, so much Ryder stuff. So, I, And I'm thinking that they were originally going to be like, okay, these kids are going to really take over and really, you know, and we're going to just kind of push out the New York stuff eventually. And then when they're like, okay, we have two seasons. And cause I think a lot of it was going to be based around Corey and Finn. And Finn was going to have a huge story in yeah. season five. Mm. And a lot of it was going to be Finn focused. And, and when that, you know, by the time that, you know, he was going to go to rehab, they're like, crap, we can't do this anymore. What are we going to do? And because I don't know, I don't, I can't, I don't have a definite answer, but. How dare you? I know. I should just call <laughs> Brian Murphy and ask him. Like, yeah. hey, hey, Rye, what's up? <laughs> hey, Rye, Rye. So we're doing this podcast. <laughs> uh, I know. I wish. I, I listen to some podcasts that are way more professional than I am, and they're able to get like actual famous people on. And I'm like, man, I wish, you know, I don't actually wish I was that famous. Um, but, you know, like sometimes. Chairman? <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, I'll just call Kevin and Jenna Hey guys, do you want to like do a crossover <laughs> podcast? <laughs> That'd be great Oh my god <laughs> But anyway um, So a couple of things I want to ask about um, With the ending of season 4 stuff What Yeah, when did, when did you find out about Adam? I mean, throw that out there When do you guys think he knew about Adam? I feel like it was would have been something. I, I get the sense, and I feel like I probably read this in a fic somewhere. I feel like Kurt probably just like randomly, or I mean, I say randomly, but purposefully just threw his name into like conversation. And there was just that, you know, like oh, so I hang out with Adam today, and Blaine's like, oh, so who's Adam? And then like Kurt did it on purpose, but then was sort of like he probably did it over text message, so he didn't have to like who could think about the way that he was going to construct the message. Well, you know what's interesting to me, though, is that in I Do, he said, Kurt, when they're, like, making out in the car, says, I'm sort of seeing somebody in New York, but then proceeds to go and make out and have sex with Blaine. So I'm kind of wondering if Blaine... That was the moment? (laughs) Yeah, that's probably the moment. Um, but, but But if Blaine's like, hey, if he's sleeping with me still and we're talking i'm guessing kurt doesn't bring up adam really at all and he and blaine are oh yeah (laughs) kurt we talk oh god whenever we talk about this we talked about kurt being the worst boyfriend um (laughs) (laughs) i know plenty of people who probably agree with you on that i mean and probably not for the same reasons (laughs) because i think he's fine with blaine but i mean no he's not great with blaine but like you know uh, he, gets, any, 
he's gonna cheat on you with Blaine. I mean, I'm sorry, this is gonna happen. <laughs> like he does it. You know, he drops Chandler the second Blaine comes back. He drops Adam the second Blaine comes back. He drops Walter the second Blaine comes back. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, he cheats on both. Uh, not really, kind of, not really kind of Walter, but definitely cheats on Adam with Blaine. Yeah. Um, and Chandler was never really in the running anyway, but like, you know. So, yeah, I don't feel that bad for Adam, but, you know, yeah, but it's, you shouldn't probably <laughs> date Kurt. You might have felt more for him if the show actually tried to give him any sort of character. Yeah. But they dropped him pretty quick. Yeah. Because Blaine's just too, Blaine's just too good. Just too good. <laughs> and, I mean, come on, like, you're still sleeping with Blaine. Like, there's kind of this guy, maybe, kind of, no, you know what? And I'm guessing Blaine just looking at how blindly he goes into I'm going to propose. I, I just don't see him thinking because even when Sam brings it up, he's like, "Well, you don't even know where he stands with his Adam guy," and it's just it's like whatever. Like, <laughs> you I know. doesn't even know where he stands. Where you know what's going yeah. on? No, but it's clear that they've talked about him because Sam because Sam knows who Adam is. Yeah. So that's true. Kurt must have talked about him to Blaine, and then Blaine's talked about him to Sam. Uh, I can see Adam also being one of those guys who are like, "Hey, Facebook, you know, like it's it, it is interesting." I'm guessing oh, Adam was one of those people like, "I'm going to insert myself into your life." And oh no, Blaine's <laughs> like Facebook stalking after Kurt mentioned it. Oh yeah, I'm sure he was. That's I what mean, I he meant. did it to Elliot. He did it to Adam. <laughs> yeah. So it's probably like Kurt randomly mentions this name, drops this name in a in a text message, probably like meticulously planned to do it. And then maybe Blaine's like, oh, it's probably just another friend of Kurt's. But then he goes and looks like, you know, jumps on Facebook, looks up this Adam guy. And is like, oh, <laughs> this Adam guy is getting pretty like chummy with Kurt. But knowing like, I don't know, giving Kurt somewhat evasion at this point to PDA, there's probably nothing particularly like... No, I can just see this. Adam and Kurt were seen at, like, you know how, yeah. I, I feel like nobody does this anymore, but, like, um, remember back in the day of, like, four like, years ago, where they checked in, in yeah. like, checking in at, you know, New York Theater 101, and saw this movie, it was fun, and it was that, like, bad date, the date that went bad. Oh, and, my God, yeah. okay, yeah. I can't remember whose speak it was, but I have it saved on my computer, where they try and find... A movie to go and see, but every single movie that Adam suggests, Kurt's like, no, I can't see that. No, I can't see that. <laughs> it's so I, good. When I get there in my fic, I'm going to have to look up what was actually in the theaters at that time, because I yeah. think it would be hilarious to base it off of what was there. Um, I'm totally I'm sure it was totally horrible, but, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm legitimately going to try and find that fic, because it's, it's like, awesome. I have like 1,500 words. It's so good. Oh my goodness. I think, I, I think I've probably read that one. I just don't know. It sounds familiar. How, and so, do you guys feel going into the end of season four, and I, I, we'll talk about shooting star in just a second, but like, do you think he's generally in a better place though? Do you think he's genuinely happy at this moment <laughs> in time all around this I do? Because, like, I think that he thinks, like, 
But like you said, it's such a short space of time that everything has happened. So it's he's kind of like gone from one extreme to the next very quickly. Yeah. Um, he's got ping pong a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's still tied at this point. It's still tied to um, how he perceives his relationship with Kurt, and I think it's gone from this place of where, yeah, like they were having a bad month and they were broken up for a bit, but you know, Blaine was still trying to contact him at the time, and now. Um, they are kind of hooking up and they're getting, they're kind of moving towards each other. I think Blaine's like, okay, we're, we're, we're going to be together again. This is it. Our future is back on track that it was supposed to be on. So it's almost like he feels like they're back to where they were supposed to be and he- mm-hmm. still heading forward in that direction. And so, yeah, he's, he's, he still sees them as um, together and like, or go, going to be together again. I think that's what, why he is feeling happiness. I know he's. He said in this script um, that they were just throwing off labels, but I'm pretty sure in Blaine's head, somewhere around after Thanksgiving, maybe he kind of started considering them back together. Like he definitely well, was at Valentine's Day thinking. And them yeah, back together. like that too. He says that, and I think that gives us a lot of insight into his head. Is that like when he says, "Tell, like, try and tell me we're not together again," kind of thing. Mm-hmm. In that he he can kind of see that Kurt's in denial about you know, them swearing off labels. And when Kurt's, you know, saying, oh, we're just friends and Blaine's having those expressions, like, yeah, okay, sure. You know, like in Blaine's head, they're moving back towards each other. Yeah. I I would say at the end of, towards the end of season four, I feel like Blaine would tell you that he was happy and everything was good. But I think if you look at it from an objective standpoint, sorry, no, subjective standpoint, he probably wasn't in the, like, not necessarily in the best place. Like you look at it critically and you go, honey, you were still like, you're planning to propose to a guy that you were, I mean, you both love one another, but you're not a hundred percent. Like you think you're still in a relationship, but I don't think you are. Like, I, I think underneath it all, it, there's still a lot of like these fears and insecurities that's driving it. Like he's yeah. almost like he believes he's happy because he's like, okay, I know what I need to do now is like, I need to be this and this and this for Kurt. And this is how I'm going to fix it. Like, he's such a fixer. He needs to fix things mm-hmm. to be perfect. And so it's almost like he said, it's like, okay, I know what I need to do now. I know how I can be perfect. I know how I can, you know, make this work. But I think that's tied into these, like, still these insecurities and fears that are still very much there that come to, like, affect everything later. Yeah. No, yeah, that's great insight. What there. I want to know is, do you, like, we – Again, fan fiction has been a wonder in terms of filling in these gaps. But at what point do you think the two of them sat down and actually had a conversation about this breakup specifically, not the one that came later, and went, all right. Because I don't I get think that it- they did because I mm-hmm. think that's why they broke up the second time is that they didn't well, – okay, the closest they did was in the end of season five in that talk they had at the – on you know, when they're feeding the birds – Mm-hmm. That is the closest thing that they had to kind of resolving some of the trust issues. Kurt not trusting Blaine again, which is kind of funny because Kurt's going to be the one to drop the ball on that. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. That speech. But um, I don't think I think after they get back together the second time and they get married, they sit down and they're like, OK, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have couples therapy and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And let's talk about this. I, I, I honestly think that did not happen until season six. Because I agree. Because it's, it's just something that, like, but I get the sense that 
like, well, maybe we don't see it, but Wayne probably did carry around a lot of sadness and guilt over what he did because in in um in the breakup. Yeah. Oh, over the cheating thing itself. Over the or, like, cheating the end, thing. Season five. The end is that last. Tri- that yeah. to me, that last conversation that they had, um, for me was when Kurt basically says, "I don't." Uh, you know, and I think it was implied earlier than that, but I think that then that's when he said, I trust you again. You know, you don't have to worry about me. Uh, you, know, th- you know, you're going to screw up, but I'm still going to trust you. That's when I think it happened. But what I want to know is at what point, and again, I, I, I dislike the better boyfriend Olympics and I, and I hate all this, but at what point do you think, because what I feel like Blaine really needed to hear was Kurt saying something along the lines of, I know that you I mean you I know that I contributed to what happened that led you to cheat and I'm sorry like that is just something that I feel like Blaine needs to hear after they got married yeah I think that that happens um but does it eventually happen is more what I yes oh I, I, I definitely believe that they're working on better communication and I think they do kind of get therapy and I think, like, and Kurt starts to understand his own behaviour and how they contributed yeah. to the issues in their relationship. Like, you see that kind of happening in the beginning of season yeah. six. Yep. Kurt doesn't understand that he's actually done anything wrong. And yeah, so I know. That, that's, like, because I, that's why I wrote a whole fic about it. Like, Kurt doesn't understand that he doesn't think he's wrong at all until he breaks up with Blaine and it really, it, like, takes him even a couple months to even realise what he's done and he goes to therapy and the therapist is like, dude, you keep fucking this up yourself. You know, Blaine's got issues too, clearly, but you need to work on you and figure your own shit up. And, you know, you have done something wrong. And I, so I don't think that he really realizes that he's done anything wrong until mm-hmm. season six. So after yeah. and the first time that they actually are able to have open conversations about the relationship, not in an awkward way, is after they get married. Mm. So. I agree. And I, I like, and also this is maybe like a weird kind of thing, but because like there's all this kind of meta around Blaine in terms of like birds and in terms of Nightbird specifically, and the fact that he's still kind of using that costume throughout season five, you could like meta that he still kind of sees himself as like the villain, like because he's like the dark version of like he was Robin and then he became Nightbird. Um, you could, you could, <laughs> meta right. I'm so glad the show did this. But you could see him, you could see, you could meta the fact that he still sees himself as like the villain, the one who kind of messed up and he's the one who has to fix it now. And that's why he starts like really holding on to Blaine. And then Kurt sees himself as kind of like, okay, he's letting Blaine in again. Um, and he's like kind of, he doesn't see he's yeah, he still doesn't understand how he contributed to the issues and Blaine still seeing himself as the one who's kind of like, okay, I'm going to fix this. I screwed up. I fucked well, up. I'm going to, I'm going to fix this kind of thing. I, at the same time, I think that regardless of whether Kurt apologizes or not at any point, and I guess we're jumping a little bit, we'll go back and talk about the things that we missed mm-hmm. in a minute. Um, that the, one of the purposes and why I think the season six breakup was, helpful was that Blaine needed to forgive himself for it. I mean, Sam even says it in dynamic. You've got to forgive yourself. You know, you screwed up. You, you know, only you can make yourself feel better about that. And in season six, after Kurt dumps him and he's, you know, 
get into that really deep part of depression and stuff like that, you know, and then starts going to therapy. When we see him again at the beginning of season six and he's in a relatively decent place, I think that moving forward throughout season six, he's okay with himself. Like, I don't see him putting himself in as a villain through any of season six. Um, You know, he just goes on and he, you know, there are these lingering issues of I'm still in love with Cart and et cetera, et cetera. But I don't see, unless there's something that you guys see that I'm missing, which is totally fine and relevant, but I I don't see him at any point beating himself up for, I, I don't see him blaming himself for the season six breakup. I don't see him like, you know, beating himself up over what could I be doing better with Kurt, et cetera, et cetera. I think that he is, he, he has moved on from that and he knows that he is a good person and he has people around him who still love him, that he doesn't need the validation from Kurt the way he did in earlier seasons. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. So, yeah. um, also, just as an aside, I found the fic that I was talking about. <laughs> Yay! What is it? It's only 500 words, but it's called Boys on Film, and it's by Nerd Girl Problems. Check it out. Kurt and Adam time find that movie, and they fail. You're going to have to do a fic rack list at some point. Oh, my God. I don't know if you've had like a general kind of fan fiction podcast or if you're going to have more, but you should I'm not, so have go ahead on it because – me and her have had conversations that literally lasted for hours and she <laughs> has a lot of like, yeah, she has a great like fan fiction knowledge and kind of database to pick from. Oh my gosh, you guys do. The only reason, just as an aside, I don't, maybe I'll edit this out, maybe I won't, um, is that I when you get into discussing, I mean, obviously we're doing the All the Other Girls podcast, which is just something else in its entirety, but like I, I have this, like when you start mentioning fix in a big way and like this, this is awesome. And this is awesome. This is awesome. And you don't, you end up like inadvertently leave somebody out of that conversation. But those people get, you know, very upset. Like, why didn't you mention my fic? And why didn't you mention my fic? And why, and I I mean, whereas we're, whereas the fact that Galise is fandom is so small these days, I don't think people would be upset about it as they would even three years ago. But, um, it's just something I, yeah, so when you, it, I don't mind, they're like, hey, this fic is what made me think of this, and this is, that's great, but I just try, that's why I'm not doing one, um, well, yeah, only because, I, like, I, but. Ranger's so removed from the fandom now anyway, and she always was, that you can talk about if it's, she'd never know about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, that's what's, yeah, it, it's, and I think just that. Um, I mean, we have a lot of the fan versus canon discourse in all of these podcasts. We always bring that up. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do tell people, I know that clean ship Two always does her recs every year or every year, every week. God, it feels like yeah. years. every week for the, the, you know, thing. So I, I still encourage people, but it's, it's one of those things also where I'm like, Hey guys, I would like feedback on this. What kind of things do you, you know, you know, I do those polls or I do whatever and people just don't participate. So yeah, I mean, like Izzy, definitely you would totally talk my ear off. I totally get that. But like just in a general like sense, people don't seem to be wanting to have these conversations anymore. So I don't know, like, I don't know. I'm just talking. But, no, but also then I remember you one of your most, more recent polls where it was literally like what fake tropes. Yeah, and that actually did get a lot of hits. Um, that yeah. got the most, you know. So I don't know. 
kind of just looking at the end of season four, though, um, let's just touch base really quickly on um, Shooting Star and Into the Proposal. And do we think that Shooting Star had a big effect on him? Do you think it played any role at all? Or do you think he was just, you know, because the marriage proposal stuff does feel a little sudden and kind of out of nowhere. But what are your guys' thoughts? I, like, I definitely do. I think even though the fact that Glee doesn't really ever bring it up again, I think it's got to have had some kind of effect on, like, on his psyche or his mood at the time and how he moves forward. Um, I don't think you can go through something like that and have it not affect you and have it not think about your relationships with people and how you interact with your loved ones. And that just your general sense that when you go through something like that, you know, you definitely come out of thinking life is short. I've got to take every yeah. chance, every moment, and just make the most of every opportunity. Um, yeah, I don't think, no, I think something like that and not have an effect to you. So I definitely think it plays into his decision to propose to Kurt. And I think it just ties into, it's obviously in conjunction, like in combination with everything else that he's going through and like trying to fix things, trying to like hold on to Kurt as much as possible and trying to kind of solidify their future as, like, a couple together. So it's just it's all just kind of, like, snowballs into one big thing, and then that kind of helps him make his decision. Yeah. I feel like, I, I feel like it – I don't know whether it's just a convenient explanation, though, if that makes sense. Like, it does – obviously, it feels very rushed. Are we just going, hey, this is a thing, a traumatic thing that happened? Are we just looking for it to be the explanation? Because we can't. Like I think it ties into it. Like it's almost like something that's not the sole reason it like exacerbates all the other main reasons. But surely I don't think that the writers sat down and went, Hey, there was a school shooting. This is a perfect lead in to blame. Yeah. Like I don't think like, no, no, I don't think so either. Think there's something that Glee writers actually planned for it to happen, but you could make a case to say that this is something that, maybe exacerbated all these other things that were already going on in Blaine's head yeah. about how he wanted to move forward. Right. No, I think Ryan Murphy got married and had a kid and was like, let's do stuff about gay rights and gay yeah. marriage. Honestly, <laughs> believe that's what Like, happened. I don't think this is something the Glee writers were thinking, <laughs> but I could make a case for it. But myself. I do think it's interesting that people, I never even really correlated the two until fandom said it, said it. And I was like, oh, it does make sense. I mean, like, yeah. We don't get to see Blaine's point of view. They're so, you know, newbie focused at this point. We don't see Blaine's point of view really at all. Mm. So, uh, and but to think that if something like that happened to you, to think that you wouldn't come out of it with kind of, at least for a little while, this new kind of, you know, feeling of I have to seize the day. I have to like, you know do all of these things and get my life in order and, and live my life to the fullest type of thing. Cause especially for teenagers, um, you know what makes me think of this is ridiculous. This is really, the really <laughs> awful Saved by the Bell college year stuff near the end. Like, if you guys have never seen it, don't waste your time. It's just terrible. But, um, like, the kids all have this professor die. So, like, Zach Morris goes a little crazy and is like, I have to, like, start bungee jumping and, like, start getting my, you know, and proposing to Kelly. And that's, like, how, that's why he proposes to Kelly. And, like... It's it's really bad. It's really really bad. But it I'm like it's a trope that comes up in sitcoms and in TV shows a lot and stuff like that. So I can see Glee think conflating it a little bit. So 
Well, yeah, because well, Blaine's at this point, like he's coming towards the end of his senior year. He's doing a lot of thinking about his future in general and what that future, including Kurt, and where he wants that kind of future to go. Like they'd already been talking about marriage before their first breakup. And so I think this is all just kind of coming to a head and this is just one, like, it's almost like it's the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. Like it's the, it's like a, a thing that happened that, wasn't the sole reason it wasn't even like the main reason or anything like that but there were already these ideas forming in Blaine's head and this is kind of the thing that maybe just accelerated that from being something he was going to do you know like like maybe who who even knows maybe in like 12 months when he's like and so it just brought it all that much forward it's like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it soon and he Mm -hmm. didn't even think about it like very impulse I think Blaine has those impulses like he's quite he can be quite impulsive yeah you know, um, maybe actually living in the same city perhaps might have been a better time to do it. This yeah. is the thing that I'm wondering because obviously things things lead into one another, but I'm, I'm a bit kind of thinking about these sort of hypotheticals. If you've never heard me on the podcast, lol. <laughs> um, um, what had Blaine waited that full 12 months and they were living in the same city, do you think he would have had those same, like, need, those same attachment issues that need to, like, cling tighter? Do you think part of the reason why he, he that, that happened was because of all that time they spent apart? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's, I mean, I feel like Blaine was always going to... I think that back in season two... In season three, they talked about getting married. I mean, Kurt even says that they talked about getting married. And this was always going to be a thing that happened. Um, I'm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Because, yeah, like, do you think, like, I just, I just, I feel like part of the reason why he felt like he had to cling so hard was because they spent so much time apart. And his whole, like, oh, we, you know, I'm trying to spend all this time catching up to you. Yeah, I just don't see Blaine not proposing, though. Like, I feel like no. for the stuff that you said, he was so, I have to, you know, keep Kurt in my orbit. I have to hold on to his heart. I have to show him that I'm committed and we're going to do this 100%. Yeah. I just, I it just makes complete sense that he would be, like, even without the shooting star act, yeah. aspect. And it, kind of I'm, going from this place as well where he in his own mind, you know, thought they were over and they, they weren't together. Him going like the complete opposite. And, you know, we are, we are definitely together. We are so together, as he says, and like, we're it for each other. And I'm going to make that like be legit, like um, official kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be official. We're going to, you know, does that make sense? No, it makes complete sense. Um, um, I am also glad that they did the proposal before they did Finn's death. Um, just because I I would not have felt comfortable. It would have left an icky taste in my mouth if they had been like, okay, Finn's di- died, let's get married. Because if we have to do this now, because, you know, life is too short. Yeah. And so it would have felt more like that really awful Saved by the Bell stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah. So. Me too. Um, but this this was something that came out years after the fact, and I remember it 
it happened. I think it popped up on my time hop recently. I think it's in one of the seasons. I think it's in the season six script, like the first episode where Kurt mentioned something about how Blaine, you know, that public proposal meant that Blaine had manipulated him into getting married. And I remember really hating that, that and it didn't end up in the final script, in the final episode. It was not. Uh, that is okay with me because I I did yeah, not like right. that. And we talked right. about a lot of this when we talked about loser like me. But I, the thing that I yeah. want to really stress is that I know uh, the box the uh, the box scene is <laughs> canon because they <laughs> stated it in canon that it was. Anything yeah. else in well, those? My thing about the script stuff. Yeah, they wrote it, but the thing is, they cut it out too, so it's not actually canon um yeah. and i know we take some of the stuff like the stuff in love 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 there's a lot of really cool stuff in that that i wish was canon that you can interpret it and you know you can fold it in but ultimately it's not canon so you know it's like this stuff is not canon too so at, at no point i i feel like that's is so out of character for kurt and so listening to internet trolls that it drives me crazy so like yeah. no and i think kurt, having included that changes that scene and i think the fact that they didn't is important yeah exactly um so yeah no kurt was not manipulated and in fact they went out of their way to show that kurt loves like with the lesbians kurt loves surprise proposals and surprise weddings he's happy about the women wedding you know he likes the big gestures and stuff like that so it's not completely out of nowhere that he's fine it's fandom that was throwing hissy fits but he was fine so you know it's funny i'm just gonna you know what i'm gonna do this i'm gonna go on a side tangent rant for a second <laughs> and there's people that say you know oh my god you know they, i've seen a few of them lately and i don't reblog them because they piss me off but oh my god i survived the glee fan it was so oh. toxic and awful i'm like yeah probably because oh, you yeah. We're probably yeah. an asshat. Um, it, it was, you know, I'm like, I feel like the people that are reblogging that kind of post are the people that made it miserable for everybody. So, yeah. sorry, that's my two cents. Oh, no, I, I, I think I, I think the same thing on Twitter when I, I, I every time I see one of those posts, I get mad. And I, sometimes I think like you, you want to know what it is. It's because you invested time into into a, into that show. You probably. Like, I've been through it all. I've been here since, like, in the fandom since the early days. And I really, when, you know, things got rough in the fandom, I really cultivated a space for myself that was positive. And anything that was, like, negative or got me down, I made an effort to just either block or unfollow that person because at the end of the day it didn't make me happy. It, I, just, I wanted a space and, like, a dashboard and part of my fandom that was positive that I enjoyed. And, and so I don't... I don't kind of look, I look back on it and still see so much that I enjoy in like my favorite show. And it's interesting that Tumblr lets you cultivate that space in a way that like live journal really didn't. I mean, you, if, or a forum didn't because you had to like wade through all of this other stuff, but, and it's not something that I really learned that you could do until much later, but um, yeah, you could just, you know, compartmentalize and just be with people who, you know, you know, and so, um, I think it's kind of cool now to hate on the Glee fandom. It's like, mm, oh, yeah. you saw, like you know that whole I survived the Glee fandom. Look at me, but it's sort of like I watched it, and I was probably this thing. It's like I watched it and I enjoyed it when it was on, 
But now that it's cool to hate on it, I actually really hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're also revealing themselves there. They're revealing themselves there. That, you know that the fact that they invested it and they they you know they themselves are invested. In it. Like, there's always be- always a a counterculture anyway, or like something. I mean, everything goes through a kind of. If it was, I think people hated on the you know, turned on Glee like in season three. I actually think that if it was so shoved in your face for two years for so yeah. long there's so much that I, people kind of turn the general audience turned on in season three but um like i think also a lot of the people that i've seen with those kind of i survived posts are also people that are like 19 and 20 21 22 like they must have been freaking young so i can see like as a teenager they were super into the show or like you know 12 year olds 13 year olds and they're like oh i really see myself in rachel barry or whatever i don't know but mm-hmm. You know, and you and it is you're like if one of you, you guys said, um, you know, it's your first fandom and it's the first time you've ever spent yeah. time on something. It was and the, then, for a lot of them that was it. Because a lot of the people I know now are older people or people who've been through. I mean, a lot of my personal friendships have been people who have been in a lot of other fandoms who've done this more. And like whatever, yeah. And you know, we still enjoy the thing for what it is or was or whatever. But I think when you are younger and and even getting to the college age, okay, well, that was a thing I liked as a kid. I don't like that anymore. You know, yeah. it, and also that, thinking that the stuff that you know the Glee fandom went through, like is not stuff that any other fandom went through like this happened like it happens in every fandom it happens in every fandom i mean i can't imagine the intensity of being in the harry potter fandom or being a supernatural fan or a sherlock fan or a a doctor fan or so happens the heyday of glee was when tumblr was also in its heyday and so the two things kind of happened at the same time if harry potter had been around when like sorry if tumblr had been around when harry potter had been around like I can't even imagine, Ugh. like, yeah. the crap that would have happened. Well, and there's also a lot of, I don't know if you guys remember the, the website. I'm kind of surprised they took it down, but at the same time, I'm not. Um, the, the website, um, Television Without Pity. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. Okay, so this was one of the vilest places I've ever seen on the internet. Um, It was, originally it started out as a group of people who used to do Dawson Creek recaps. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, Dawson's Creek is just a mess. I loved it as my TV show, but it was my awesome age group at the time. So, But it wasn't, I mean, it was just hot mess. And there was forum-based, kind of like live journal. um, But, you know, people could make forums. And then, so their take was to be snarky. So, doing it on Dawson's Creek is one thing. I mean, it's a cheesy 90s teen show. You can be snarky at it and whatever. But they took every single TV show you could possibly take and and were super snarky about it. So it was really cool to hate on things. So the whole yeah. premise was that everything, every TV show had a, 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 a thread and people would do recaps on it. And then there were these forums and you, the various different forums and it was, and like the forum would have all of these different threads on it. And you, the coolest thing was to be, you know, nasty on it. And, at, and television without pity was at the end of its life around the time Glee started. Oh. And like, um, what it has been like, <laughs> it was nasty. It was just utterly, utterly nasty. Um, 
I've never seen such vileness. I mean, I don't go onto things like 4chan and stuff like that. So I'm sure there's this way other viler things on the internet, but um, it was just a very, very nasty and toxic place to be, especially for something like Glee where everything was already divided. But when you, I mean, this is where the like Krofsky Kurt fans hung out. This is where the anti, like, this is where anti everything hung out. And it just, it was cool to hate on things. And, and poor Kay, like John Lennon, she has a lot of horror stories. So you should ask her about it sometime. But, um, well, did she, did she spend, did she actually she spent some time on it. She was actually active on it uh, because there weren't uh, Tumblr was still a, a newer thing that you and, and live journal had its own issues. And, um, in television without pity was a really, really huge thing for a long time. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm kind of okay that that it, it about, you know, like I said, a couple of years into Glee being on, that's when they shut down the website. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing they did because it was such a cesspool of negativity that, so anyway we've gotten so far of course we're going to zip <laughs> through season five a little bit not that there's i don't even know if i have a whole lot to discuss in season five because i think season five does a decent job of giving us a lot of story um yeah it actually does uh <laughs> i think it's a lot wow like, i, I guess, had like I a lot my, of thoughts my... oh go for it I, I kind of had a lot to think of like how much season five and like early season five as well shows how Blaine is trying to control so much of like his environment and really kind of, it shows a lot of his kind of uh, like his controlling side and his perfectionist side and this, how he's trying to control everything around him. And there's a lot to see in the early season five about it. I liked it. I, well, yeah, it kind of all culminates in that in in Puppet Master, really. Yeah. Um, though again, it's not a there's not a whole lot of Blaine, uh, but there's I mean, I'm also not feeling like, I mean, season four court is always the epitome of oh my god, what what are they doing? We're here, but I I don't I also don't feel like we're missing much um, from the story. I mean, you see Kurt and Blaine, they are communicating with each other. They are having their life. I mean, they're relatively stable at this point. Um, no, they didn't really discuss, you know, their <laughs> issues. Because <laughs> that's, you know, the subtitle of their... their uh, that would be what adults would be. Yeah. And so if we want to fill it, like, talk about filling in the gaps, do we want to talk about filling the gaps of... In Kurt and Blaine and their Skype dates and the fact that Blaine obviously has a thing for you know yeah. tattoos and piercings now with that in the lead. <laughs> yeah, when did <laughs> that happen? What they did with Kurt's tongue piercing, I don't know. Oh, but like, I, I don't know. Does it does it say something about them that one of the more like, um, not the healthiest, but the most um, the time in which their relationship seems to be working the best is when they're not to, like when they're physically separated i but i think that the reason they don't have to confront the issues that are still there so yeah, they're yeah. in this empty empty what am i talking about they're in this like long distance relationship they're making a point they do know that they need to talk to each other i mean kurt is you know i give him some credit i mean that he is making a point to touch base with blaine are you okay you know i'm giving you a call I'm calling you my fiance. I'm trying to check in with you. Like what's going on? You know, moving out may not have been the best ever clean episode, but he does check in with Blaine there. You know, he, 
Puppet Master doesn't have the most adequate ending, but he does check in with Blaine. His mm-hmm. first reaction is, are you okay? Like, he is making a point. And I, I think the weirdest part about season five, Clay stuff, is that it's all in New York. Like, we don't get a lot of Blaine talking about Kurt on the Lima side. So, which, when which I find to be very interesting because I mean, he didn't. I, I I don't know. Did he? From memory, I don't know how much he talked about Curtis such in season four, but it felt like everything that he was doing had that undercurrent of, you know. Yeah. In season five, it, it wasn't there. I mean, seasons. I mean, episodes one through three are kind of their own thing, and then we get four, five, four and five. There's no Blaine does not mention Kurt at all in four and five, um, at least that I can remember. But I, I think that's partly because, like, you know, as it, throughout all of season four, there's this undercurrent of, you know, Blaine is still, like, he's still worried about what's happening with Kurt. He's trying to be his own thing, but that's still a, it's a, it's an ongoing thing. And then so, like, they've gotten back together now, so, and he's, you know, he's put a ring on it. So any any anxiety that he might have had has kind of passed in that respect, so he doesn't have to worry about it. Yeah, that's the thing. And I think that's one reason why I feel like their marriage is going to be fine because Blaine being secure with that ring on his finger eases a lot of his issues. Like, okay, we're committed. It's fine. Um, So, um, 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 that's, that's, that always comes back to, you know, why do you need that? <laughs> I, I mean, I know why he needs it. That's a rhetorical yeah. question. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand, like, what has happened to you to make you feel like you need that level of commitment to be able to be a functioning human being? <laughs> uh, oh, Blaine. I, um, uh, and I don't even, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer. It yeah, doesn't say rhetorical. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, it's. Hmm, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else though in this early season five stuff that really. I. I do think that Blaine is. There's an undercurrent of Blaine being ready to move on, and I, maybe it's just a projection of my eagerness to get Blaine freaking graduated into New York. <laughs> but, um. It's interesting that all the clean stuff is mentioned on the New York side, not maybe only to just, you know, underline it from Kurt's point of view, but also I think that's where the adult story was going. Like this yeah. is becoming a more adult-esque story. Um, Blaine is still in teenage land in high school for the Lima stuff. And so, you know, I don't know. And also I think I've got to realize the fact that this is this is like the the end of like Blaine's year, and like I said, he's he's very busy. Yeah, running around, <laughs> doing about joints. There's they're, really they're on their nationals routine for national routine. Yeah. Uh, he's plenty on show choir blocks. He knows who exactly. John Baptiste is. Oh. Um, we oh know that because we can fill in that gap because we know that because he mentions it. So we know he's on the blogs. We know he's skyping and making Scott dates with Kurt. But if we if, okay, just, just if we if we suppose that Eli he met Eli through the blogs, does that mean that like they still talk to one another on his blogs? <laughs> Blaine collects people, I'm sure. Um, 
<laughs> she doesn't have like any traumatic flashbacks. It's just sort of like, hey, that's that guy I hooked up with once that ruined my relationship and sent me into the deep depressive cycle. How Maybe you did it's like it. a blocking feature, blocking or muting. I'm sure, yeah, he probably unfriended. <laughs> um, but he's, he still pops up on the message board sometimes, and Blaine never ever. Well, you know, and I also think it's kind of interesting because this is a time where Kurt is kind of. I don't know how much we need to really talk about Finn and Finn's death, but like Blaine seems to be okay. I think he was a little bit farther removed. I mean, yes, he was sad that Finn died, but he's more removed where Kurt was a little bit closer, but Kurt Mm -hmm. spends a lot of his time, like literally watching television, eating ice cream and Skyping Blaine. And they're not even sexy Skypes. So (laughs) Blaine is probably off doing his busy senior year thing, having hijinks with Tina and Sam and Artie and preparing for nationals and doing all this stuff and is busy. Whereas Kurt's the one that's kind of like kicking around doing nothing. Well, like um, he's the band. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but. <laughs> but then, but then, so we talked, we started off this podcast by talking about how we assumed over the summer of season, between seasons four, three and four, that Blaine may have spent quite a lot of his own time, you know, comforting Kurt. Do you think they did that the same thing happened after Finn passed away? That Blaine put a lot of time and energy into comforting Kurt or do you think that he didn't feel like he had to do that anymore or the fact that they um, were maybe made him feel like he did have to do that some more? Like I, I don't think so. I think that Kurt was like, I got the opinion or feeling that this is something that Kurt wanted to do on his own and Blaine being an intelligent person and being securely engaged at this point, if Kurt says, you know, I just need some time, um, mm-hmm. then Blaine would be like, okay, I'm going to just, go, you know, if you need me, text me, call me, Skype me. But at the same time, I think that Kurt is like, Kurt doesn't deal with things. Like he just kind of like internally accepts them and moves on and pretends that it's not a real thing. Um, so I'm guessing it's something that, you know, for a couple of weeks, Blaine went out of his way to comfort and console Kurt the way he could, but Kurt was probably very distant and quiet and didn't want to talk about it. And so they kind of continued on with their life without really acknowledging it as much as, you know, Kurt's the one that, you know, we all talk about Blaine and needing therapy, whatever, but Kurt needs a ton of therapy too. I mean, <laughs> good know, God, yeah. the amount of stuff that he does therapy talk for about. different reasons. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so that's my two cents hot take on that. Um, but I, I think he was doing, you know, he just keeps yeah, all the way through graduation. He, he's doing fine. I think. I don't know. Well, as fine as he can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a stuff. I do think he like spends a considerable amount of time stalking Elliot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, my own head canon is like the you know who? Okay, Kurt's talking about. I I'm guessing that Kurt talked about Elliot way more than he ever talked about Adam. Um, because okay. it was such an yeah. Because it's an open thing. Like he's not dating Elliot. He's not, you know, I started this band. Hey, I got this new bandmate named Elliot. He's really cool. You know, he, you know, and, and talks about, and because it's probably like a, one of the first kind of male friendships with another kind of yeah. someone else who's gay that just, they can just kind of be friends without there being anything else. For so Blaine, a really positive friendship for Kurt to hit, and like yeah. something he's really kind of bringing into his and building his life in New York now, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. For Blaine to kind of like react the way he does, I just get the feeling that like 
there's a lot of I, I one sided Facebook, but I don't think Elliot uses Facebook. I don't. He. Do, I mean, if you look at his house, he doesn't even have a freaking TV. Like, I don't think <laughs> Elliot probably has the face TV. He doesn't. He does not have a television. So I'm guessing Elliot has like a Facebook app that like his high school friends or his college buddies like put together. And he like friends people on it, but it's like whatever. I'm doing this gig. He uses it like a you know I'm doing this gig. Here's a picture of us at our on our band going here in this gig. It doesn't usually like do updates on it. I, I'm mm-hmm. and I'm, I I just can see Blaine angrily trying to like try and find Elliot on like social media, and it's all just nothing. Like <laughs> and it yeah, just makes Blaine really super angry. Like like why why? And then but he doesn't friend him. You know. Okay, like, I just I just had this terrible terrible thought, and <laughs> please you can you're very welcome <laughs> to uh. Um, cut this out but you know you're saying that Elliot probably doesn't have much of an online presence yeah but Blaine Blaine probably is able to to dig around and find it who does that who does that sound like someone who doesn't have much of an online presence but somebody always seems to know where they are and what they're doing and who they're with (laughs) okay well (laughs) I I said that terrible thought I'm so sorry I don't think Blaine is like actively like <laughs> Yeah, he's not that bad, but I just he's not... about like the being able to find somebody who doesn't have much of an online presence. <laughs> well, I, what he finds is that he doesn't have an online presence and then whatever, <laughs> you know, he moves on with his life, you know. I don't think that he Cuz he's a he's a well-adjusted human who well, not a real human, but you know. Yeah. I'm sorry that human. I brought that a up. Fake, really? It came to my mind, and I had to. I had to. There, but there. I mean, come on. And we at the same. And again, if you want me to cut this comment out, I will. <laughs> Are you going to tell me that you haven't like done a little digging on Darren? I mean, come on. That you well, know. it's just like people in general that are in yeah. your life. Everybody exactly. Yeah, I just I just don't go out of my way to do it to people that I don't like, you know. That's true, and and I I just think Blaine would be like, I want to just know more about this guy, and then when he doesn't find anything, he's like, fine, whatever. And I can see him being like, one night he sits down. This I should probably write a fic about this. It'd be funny. Sits down, gets online, tries to find. You know, Elliot finds a stupid Facebook page, finds maybe an Instagram page with three photos on it, and they're all of cats. And then is like, fine, if you don't want to be friends with me, I'm not going to be friends with you. And then just leaves it and just. Oh, no, no. He adds him on Facebook. No, he said that he didn't. Oh, he didn't. I thought he did, but but Elliot didn't. He said, he said, yeah, no, no. What he said is, I made it a point not to friend you first. Oh, that's right. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. But he must have done something to like be like either comment on a public post or or do something yeah. so that Elliot was aware that he existed. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure he post he commented nice photo on that photo of him and Kurt. Yeah. But but I also think it's ridiculously overblown because I don't think Blaine really considers Elliot ever a threat until they're in the heat of the moment, you know, like of that issue just at that time. But um you think Blaine, Blaine, Blaine projecting? Never. No. <laughs> I what? also think, like, he's 19, and so he's still quite young. Like, yeah. I remember being that age and, like, my first relationships, and, you know, there was Facebook involved. and Yeah. Oh, I think yeah, everybody I has little moments where they've got moments of, like, morbid curiosity and things like that. Yeah, I agree. Just, yeah. 
um, without going into like full wearing a tinfoil hat territory. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Oh my god. Okay, so let's talk about um, the space in between the the break of um, in season five between episodes thirteen and fourteen. Glenn graduates. Yay! Um, yay! He's a finally. You know what the nice thing though is that the minute he graduates, because Darren for a while was looking so much older than a teenager that it was just getting ridiculous. So the fact that they start letting him look like an adult is just like, oh thank God, because it was getting really kind of ridiculous there at the end. Um, but well, that's the thing. That's I why I always and I've said this a number of times on the podcast. It's why I like. As soon as they leave high school, in my mind, they jump. They're not. They're, they're like mid twenties now. They're yeah. like. They're not still early. They're not like in their teens. They're not like nineteen or twenty. Yep. They're it's something. Like, yeah, they're like twenty five. Mentioned that snarky hags mentioned that. The other people like, and I'm like, yeah, you guys are so dead on. Like, I never really occurred to me why it fell off, but this is it. Like, the once they graduate, the writers have aged them up five years, and yeah. So, which is why, again, that's why I think that the the New York side is the one that kept bringing up Clayne is because the Clayne story was going to continue in that adult world, whereas the, you know, the high school hijinks was going to end really quickly. Um, so, yeah, we get this space, though, of, uh, okay, guys, all right, and you get to have official opinions on this. <laughs> and it's okay. It, you, you won't be wrong, even if I think you're wrong. Uh, oh, when does New Year New York about the timeline? <laughs> about the timeline. <laughs> like I, well, I had, I hadn't really th- think. I hadn't thought about the time period because I struggle with it because like, American year is different to Australian yeah, year. I'm, I'm oh, that's the same. Same exactly. with like, like very clearly winter. Whenever it's clearly cold when New New York is happening, but. Because your winter happens in our summer, it just kind of screws me over completely with timeline stuff. Taking yeah, out the technicality. Uh, so I'm oh, kind of like, like, <laughs> it makes the most sense because it's, it, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't it's make any confusing. sense. I just agree with yours because it makes the most sense. And I go, yeah, sure. Because as I said, the year, like, I don't understand how American years work. So I'm just like, do you guys just out of this is just out of my curiosity and my clear lack of knowledge in Australian culture, but do you guys still? how do you guys when do you guys when you're in grade school and such go to school i mean is it 180 days out of the year or like september through june or is it something different we, we like we start at like the beginning of a school year starts mm-hmm. like essentially end of january and finishes early december so it yeah. follows the calendar year yeah that makes sense okay and we don't we don't have a long break at the after school is over they they space out our school holidays like at the end of each term, there's usually a two week break. Okay. Off, and some sometimes there's three, depending on the school you're at. But it's generally a two year, two week gap before each term starts, and then there's about a nine or ten week gap at the end of the year. Okay. It's kind so of rather than have all the break at once, we spread it out, <laughs> which makes yeah. sense. And then you you guys this summer would be the you know end of the year months or beginning of the year months yeah so yeah. we have our um, longest break like you guys do in summer yeah exactly and but that's kind of like got christmas in the middle of it so a lot of it is about like christmas and new year's and then after christmas and new year's is over everything is back to school ads yeah. and yeah. promotions fascinating so yeah. it literally starts like december uh, sorry january 1st is like all the back to school catalogs and stuff come out yeah. and that's but like everyone goes your, your guys's winter though doesn't do the same thing i mean like does it ever snow there 
Mm, not where we are. No, the only like are, if you're uh, up in like the um, like in the not, not even the mountains because we really have mountains, but like high above sea level area. Altitude, yeah. Yeah, so like it's not it's not like where where it makes sense to spend all our time at, at school or whatnot because it's so like cold outside. It's cold, but like no, it's, it's not the cold. cold you can't get to. School. You don't have to deal with my like polar vortex nonsense. Okay, yeah, it doesn't like affect <laughs> like it doesn't like affect our day to day functioning. Oh yeah. my god, I will mail you guys all the snow next year. Um, <laughs> I've never so, that's, so that's why, as I said, like in my mind, because the school year goes it follows the calendar year, it, it messes with my brain trying to piece because, together. Because, yeah, ours follows our timeline thing. That's so yeah. cool. This I'm is why. This me too much. Oh, man. But this is why, like, I, I, you can just call me ridiculous or whatever, but I get so excited whenever, like, the Australians or the Europeans, I get to talk to you guys about culture stuff because I think it's just so interesting because, you know, <laughs> like, it's just different, and it's neat. So, anyway, thank you for. But like, also, that means me. we don't have an explicit opinion about. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. It just means I get to be right. Um, well, yeah, no, I said I agree with yours because it, it seems to make sense. And, I think, you know. like, yeah, when listening to the podcast, for me, what like the way you've talked about it has helped me understand it the most. I think. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, point for me. You know what? It's funny though, and I've said this on other podcasts that I feel about the timeline the way other people feel about distance. Like, uh, some people get so worked up about where is Westerville in comparison to Lima, and I'm like, I just do not care. Like, who cares? I don't don't care that they're taking magic shuttle buses to New York. New York is about a thousand miles away from Lima, Um, and they act as if it is, you know, really a short distance, so... um, but I, I just don't care. So it's just funny. Well, I guess that's also, yeah. I guess that's also one of the things for us is that what's a long way is like relative to us is maybe not. Cause like, if I wanted to go to Sydney, yeah, that's maybe like a, I don't know, 15 hour drive or something. Um, yeah. But you it, would simply to drive from Ohio to New York. Uh, it, it depends on where you are because Ohio is actually quite big and it's a good oh. five, six hours <laughs> across. Um, okay. But like if I – now I live north of, of – I live in the state north of Ohio and it would take me about 10 hours to drive to New York. So okay. maybe six or seven to drive. It's an hour from Chicago, which is slightly farther west from me. It's usually – if I'm I, when I take a See, a like flight, if it's like six or seven hours between Ohio and New York, that to me is like a relatively short distance between cities. Well, and, if you take a, a plane between Chicago and New York, it's two hours less than it's about an hour and a half. Um, yeah, which is like so. I kind of think of that as yeah, that's normal. Like between like yeah, because if I want to drive to Sydney, which I've done, it's oh yeah, it's about that's a day it. and a half. Ten-ish hours, isn't it? Sorry, it's about ten-ish hours if you're going hundred k's an hour because yeah, crowded. something like that. But like to get across Victoria, which is like one of our smaller states, it's on its own is like eight hours. Yeah, no, my, my, my family, I have family that live in rural Victoria and we would drive up every Christmas and that's a four-hour drive. So I'd see, just do that four-hour drive every Christmas. You're, you're, do you I'm actually course? doing a four-hour drive later today. Oh my and God. that's just to get to my friend who lives in a rural town and that's not, like, not even on the other side of the state. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I'm guessing your states are quite a lot bigger though than ours. I mean, I guess when you get out west, it's a little bit different, but, like, the eastern states live in, like, are more like of, Europe. We, and me and Izzy live in actually one of the smaller states as well. 
Okay. I've never, I, I like the, the one out Western Australia is like one of the biggest states. It's like bloody huge. I couldn't imagine driving from the South to the North of it. It's like people do it. People hire caravans me. do like a whole, like That's... let's do a trip around Australia thing. They drive around the whole country. Yeah. I had a friend who did that and it took like, they did that over weeks, weeks. It weeks. reminds me of Canada. I mean, Canada is actually bigger, but like, the the way you guys discuss Australia reminds me of how if you're going to talk about Canada, it's just sprawling and huge. Canada has way less cities in it, but um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's somewhat similar in that in Australia, a lot of the like the the population is very much concentrated around the coast, so yeah. there's not much in the middle. And I think I feel like from what I've read about Canada, it's fairly similar, where a lot of Canada is. Yeah, <laughs> Canada is. Everybody who lives in Canada is like along the U.S. border, not because they want to be American citizens or anything. Just that it's warmer there, and yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not like it's a freaking tundra. I have a friend of mine who's living moving to the middle of freaking Canada, and I'm like, what are you gonna Why? do? <laughs> There's nothing there. Um, I saw the funniest post though, where um, it was somebody put the Mediterranean Sea over Australia. And it fits really nicely in the middle there, like over it. And then mm. like, yeah, let's really do this. You'll kill only like five people because it was only over the desert part of Australia. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody lives around the edge of Australia anyway. So. Well, it depends because there is like a kind of big city in the right in the middle as well. Oh, well, okay. So so kind still, of, that's far away from everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't like it or I, I should have reblogged it and see what you guys said. But um but yes, yeah. but I think what you were saying before when you're like six or seven hours, I'm like, yeah, that's that's not even that big in my mind. No, <laughs> Maybe. but it's not something you would do like every week. Every week. Like, I, like Michigan goes up. Like yes. you can drive up six, seven hours and still be in Michigan. But like that's something that you might do like on a very long weekend. Yeah. It's not something true. you would do. It's a lot of money for gas or plane tickets yes. or whatever. So Yes, yeah. true. Like it's not yeah, it's not something you would do every week. No. Okay. Well, things as though, just to bring it up, in in at least the moving out episode, Blaine and Sam seem to take a bus. Yeah. (laughs) It's not, it's, well, okay. (sighs) Buses, I don't know how it works in other countries or other whatever, but, like, it's, you would just don't usually take a bus or a train across country, you could. Greyhound is kind of sketchy. I mean, I don't know if you want to do that, but like, it's just our, we don't have the public tra- transit massively across nation that way. Plane is what you either drive or you take a plane. You don't really bus places. I mean, you could, but um, now it looked like they were just in the city on a bus, which you can no, also, you so. but New York is. You're going to take the subway in New York. You're just, you, I sometimes, like, a lot of times I feel like when you look at New York stuff on screen and TV, it ends up being more like LA because you're shooting in LA. And LA is this like sprawling place where you take public transportation like that. Whereas New York, everything is much more compact and people don't really take. Like public transfer, if they're going to take public transfer- transportation, it's usually um, the subway. Yeah. So, so yeah. 
Okay, so getting back to the topic, um, <laughs> we've got this space between when Kurt when Kurt graduates, when Blaine graduates, and when he gets to New York. And uh, when do you guys think he moved out to New York? When do you think happened in that like first semester of his schooling or his first bit of time of that he and Kurt were together? I kind of think that Blaine was ready to move out and move in and be with Kurt as soon as, like, he possibly could after graduation. Like, he was ready to plan and ready to really be with Kurt now. Yeah. Yeah. Although, as they say, they they never had a conversation about him moving in. It was sort of an expectation. But also, I feel like when you propose to someone, that sort of implied in the whole proposal thing. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I can see Blaine graduates. I'm guessing he gets his crap together and goes out there. And it's not, I mean, at first it's an adventure because Sam goes with them. So it's like Mm. all of them. And I'm guessing, you know, they're just screwing around all that they can. And especially during that, that summertime before they have to go to school, it's a lot of them just doing everything together again. Like they did in season two, like only more sex this time. (laughs) I, I just have a question. So we we did we talked a little bit about Blaine's family. I just sort of wondered. So obviously, he 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 was probably living with his mum. We assume at some point his parents split up because that was what we got. What happened later on? How well, it's not mom- canon, so you can totally do. The only thing that's canon is that in season four, he says after the shooting star thing, he spent time with his parents. After that, there is nothing canon about his dad. I'm just sort of wondering, how do you think his parents felt about him leaving? See, in my mind, I kind of didn't think about it much because of what, like, I think that from what I perceive, it's normal to kind of move out and go to college, like be away from your family, go to college in America. Like that's something that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. I like it when people go away to college. Yeah, it isn't. I didn't think much of it only because Blaine and everything that we've had conversations about, Blaine's already detached from his family. Like Cooper took off without really mm-hmm. saying, you know, he took off to LA. I, you know, his mom, like, I guess my own head canon, which I don't really have a strong head canon, but. His dad is somebody who works a lot, like a lawyer or a banker or a, a, a doctor or somebody who makes a, a considerable amount of money but isn't super rich and does his thing. And his mom does this Mary Kay stuff where she has a lot of her lady brunches and whatever. And, um, you know, the kids move out and she's like, OK, that's cool. I mean, like it's that like middle like it's I, I don't see them as neglective, but I also don't see them as completely like, OK, this kid is out of, you know, second kids out. We can do whatever we can re- make Blaine's room into whatever now, like we've been talking, you know, I, I just don't see them being as hands on about it the way Bert is. And I also kind of, you know, I almost feel like Blaine's almost adopted Bert as his own father in a way anyway. So. That's just kind of how I see it, I guess. I think maybe that, like, in Blaine's head, he was, like, he was already there with Kurt. Like, yeah. maybe over the past, like, couple of months, even though if he wasn't physically. And so it was probably something his parents are already prepared for. Yeah. But there was, this is the thing, is that this is something that I thought about a lot. And, and I, funnily enough, it came up because from that um, wedding 
uh, behind the scenes that Chris and Darren did. But Chris mentions, you know, he'd be really intrigued to meet Blaine's mum and find out that she really didn't like Kurt. And we were thinking about that partly because, like, so here's here's her well-adjusted son who decides she's going to leave his private school to go back to public school to be with some this boy that she's probably met but doesn't really know very well. And then that happens. The boy, his boyfriend leaves, and then he starts to go through this really depressive episode. Gets super depressed. Talks about going back to Dalton, and then changes his mind at the last minute. Like they organise the transfer, and then he changes his mind. And then um, some time goes by, and then he decides that he's going to propose to this kid. And then, and then he does that and then he moves away to be with his kid but then something happens and he comes back home again and he's super depressed again like I'm just wondering at what point oh actually no I forgot the part where he decides to leave them on Christmas and go spend time with him rather than with his family See, like, and I still think that Blaine's like parents probably like like Rachel's family they probably just went out on a cruise or something like that like I just don't see but at what like, point do you think at, at some point I'm sure that his parents had to, or at least his mother was like all right, there's something going on here. Like, See, I think, like, I think um, Pam mentioned this earlier in terms of, like, I could see it definitely as his mother being someone who just doesn't have the tools to know how to communicate and how to talk through her son with this. And maybe she, like, tries, but Blaine's head is so already there. Like, he's already with Kurt. Like, he's already moved out, kind of, he's ready to go that maybe she's tried to have conversations with him and Blaine's kind of like, he's stubborn. Like he knows what he Mm -hmm. wants and he knows what he wants to do and he's going to do it. And his mother probably just doesn't know how to talk around that and talk him around that and doesn't know how to communicate with him. I I guess, I guess, but I guess you're also assuming things about Pam. It's so weird to talk about this when the character is the same name, but like, (laughs) Um, that about Pam that, um, I, I don't necessarily be, okay, how do I put this? Like, she's definitely, neither of the parents are Bert. Okay. Bert is very active in his son's life, but I just don't see them that active in it. I mean, I just see like, you know, from a young age, I think one reason why Blaine gets so clean is that his his parents are kind of detached and being like, you do your own thing, honey. You go you go play down there. And this, you know, this other, okay. Oh, you want to go to Dalton? Okay, honey, that's fine. We'll just, we'll get that. We'll get it worked out for you, okay? You know, Cooper wants yeah, to go to like LA. May, like know? maybe has thoughts about it, but just doesn't, or just like just doesn't don't. even. I don't think that, like, I'm guessing two things kind of came to mind. One, their other son is Cooper. Can you imagine the shenanigans <laughs> that Cooper's gotten into? He's probably been like, hey, mom, I'm going to marry this girl. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to marry this girl because it turns out that she's kind of crazy. So whatever, she's going to go over there. <laughs> and then, hey, mom, I think I got this woman pregnant. Oh, my God. She's not actually pregnant. It's fine. Hey, mom, you know, I think I'm going to be, you know, doing this like science. Ex- like now they're going to use my body for science. Okay. You know, and it's just <laughs> that's their life. So like Blaine doing these ridiculous things doesn't seem abnormal. And I'm guessing what if like Pam is like that where she's like, okay, I'm going to be Mary Kay this week. Oh my God. And you know what? I'm going to go out and do this one thing with Carol and and whoever. But then the next week they're like, Oh, you know what? Karen from down the street has this great new aerobics thing. And you wouldn't believe the guy. I just, I get the opinion 
that, and I'm totally pulling this from nothing, that <laughs> this their life is normally abnormal like this. So it doesn't concern her or his the dad or whoever that there are issues. I mean, okay, you thought it was bad. I'm gonna keep talking about Blaine and um and um the Tin Hatters. I'm gonna say think of it like the Kardashian family and how like royally screwed that up that family is, but how it's normal that somebody comes home and it's like, I had a Twitter war about this person about this baby mama drama. And it's completely normal for that kind of thing. I, I get that in a smaller scale for Blaine and his family. I I mean, I don't disagree at all, but I just feel like at some point when her, her son has come back from New York after spending however long he spent planning to get there, come home and is clearly depressed, surely, surely she would have to notice. Well, surely. I can- Maybe, but she she just may not be, like, they just may not be the type of parents who talk about that. Like, I know I have a parent that, like, doesn't ever. I mean, she could still be very caring and like, oh, honey, you're home. Let me, like, cook you soup and let me get your bed ready again for you. And, well, you know, here's $50. You go ahead and, you know, order pizza and do whatever you want. I'm going to go to brunch again. (laughs) Yeah, like, that's kind of like what I mean, you know. I don't. There is. Just doesn't talk about the stuff. But that's not consistent with a family that was there for Blaine after a school shooting. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, I mean, like, I do see your point, and I do see where you, like, want to get it to this kind of hilarious fic idea where Blaine's mom, like, is doesn't really, like, hurt. Um, no, oh, no, I, I, it was just something that I was thinking about. It's not, no, 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 I no, don't no. think that she didn't like him. I just thought it was an interesting idea. There I is was an interesting, and I was, I was saying it'd be an interesting thing. fic idea to do that, not that, not trying to put words in your mouth, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, there could totally i don't know i just it's yeah it's a damn shame that the, when they showed her they didn't do anything with her yeah <laughs> they went all out of their way to cast like cast her and to give her a hilarious name and like it's gina gashon but didn't do anything with her oh my goodness she clearly i will say out of the you know two seconds of eye contact she does love her son though i think that there's a there is no matter what kind of weird detached abnormalness of it um i get the feeling that they're still they they love each other and their weird family it's not a burt hummel type thing but it's a it's their own very special anderson <laughs> so yeah i don't know um i don't know i just i just wanted to know because i mean i i'm i i again i forgot again that it's quite normal for americans to leave after school finishes and parents do you guys not do you stay through when you're doing university and stuff do you guys like stay at home or well i think it's another one of those things that because so much of our population is focused around the coastline or just in very um a lot more densely populated that a lot of people they tend to look at universities close to home like somewhere that they can easily get to oh that. well that said most of us do like too yeah most of, most of us do too i'm uh, the fact that everybody from lima like like hauls it off to new york is not normal everybody i would say in lima or even just like looking in other states because our yeah. kind of end of year um or like final year examinations they could like 
and the process of it is even different state to state that it's not even it's not like well, yeah universities out of like, state for example for for the state that i live in michigan um in a class of like you know two to five hundred majority of us 90% maybe, I don't know what the actual stats are. I'm going to pull this number out of my butt, but um, <laughs> 90% of us are going to go to Michigan state, U of M, um, like Western central, uh, grand Valley, these universities that are all in the state. And then there's a bunch of community colleges too. So pretty much we're all going to go there. There are going to be a couple of people who go out of state Um trying to think of anybody I knew in my graduating class that did that. And I, I can't think of anybody. I, there are maybe now I graduated with a really small class. Let's put it that way. But, um, out of my graduating class, maybe 50 to 70 people still stayed in the area. Um, some of us moved out to other places within the state and as far as I know, two people moved out of state, one of them because they got married and moved out west. And the other one, the one person moved to New York. <laughs> <laughs> one. Oh so is it, is so it typical that you go to university or college, even in your own state, do you still live in the dorms or you still live at home? It depends. It depends if you're close or not. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, again, in my state, there's like, I don't know, 10-ish universities and a ton of community colleges. Um, a lot of kids now stay at home um, yeah. because they can't afford dorms. When I was going yeah. in college, we all moved into the dorms. Um, before that it was a lot of, it was dorms, but if you lived within, you know, 30 minutes to an hour from school, um, you could commute. It wouldn't be a yeah. problem. So. Yeah. And, and I think it also comes to the fact that a lot of like either like American television that we watch around like college stage kids, they're often, we often almost always see them either living in dorms or away from home. And so that's kind of where my perception comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's true too. But I also like every kind of media thing that I see, um, uh, they are, they all end up going to the same place. And I get it from a writing yeah. standpoint, you can't have them go other places. But in reality, the, you know, kids in Glee would have all gone to Ohio State. Like, yeah. that's where they would have gone. Like, the fact that nobody, the fact that Tina says she doesn't get into Ohio State but gets into Brown just doesn't make <laughs> any sense. I don't know how to, I don't know what my equivalent would be to yours, but like, it's, you know, Ohio State's a good school, but Brown is Ivy League, Harvard, Yale, Stanford level. There's no way you can get into Brown, but not get into um, Ohio State. That would just be ridiculous, especially when you're in state, because the way they do tuition here, you get a certain amount of, uh, most of the colleges, you get a certain amount of points for like, you know, if you live in state, you are more likely to get into that college than if you move out of state. Right. So. So interesting. Anyway. I always yeah. feel like I learned so much about the American college system. Me too. <laughs> I know. Well, I told you, now I don't feel so bad when I ask all these questions about yeah. Australia. Um, so. It is, but then that's also why, some, as, as you've just discovered, I, I sometimes find it a little bit harder to piece together 
characters yeah characters motivations and whatnot because like in my experience i'm like well wouldn't his parents be really sad that he's leaving no of course they wouldn't they no, <laughs> no. <laughs> not really I, I mean it I, my mom always used to say um she's like it, she was like you know it's a good thing you know she wasn't even really a huge like religious person but she would say god made teenagers so that parents wouldn't want them after when they you know when they needed to graduate <laughs> and go off to college like or made them difficult like so I don't know. I just feel sorry for my own mother because like if we lived in America she wouldn't have to deal with me anymore. That's it. <laughs> See, and that's not true because you got Bert I mean Bert is completely realistic too. The way Bert and Kurt react and the way he, you know, et cetera, et cetera, deals with Kurt moving to college, that is a legit response as well. It just depends on what kind of family you have. Sure. That is true. So. so I suppose that does I mean I get part of it is because the show Didn't think about giving blind parents until like yeah. <laughs> if they thought about it before that <laughs> Yeah no that's true I mean uh, oh, Poor Tina not having any parents um, <laughs> Did get parents uh, I think She what I think she was meant to get parents at some point. That they I think she was too uh, Well and what did I find out Katie Seagal was supposed to actually have an arc um, as Artie's mom, and they scrapped yeah. it. Yeah. So, so anyway, the long and the short of it is that you know Kurt and Blaine are having their fun honeymoon time. You know what I really would like to do too? See a fic from Sam's point of view as those first months in, in Ohio. I mean, in New York, they must have been miserable. I mean, think about it. he has no job. He's literally <laughs> playing video games as and you know, and being alone in a New York apartment is probably not very fun when you have no money. You what? You know, your best friend and his fiance are having sex every five seconds. Rachel is probably being way more irritating than usual because she, well, she's not even there for half of it. But like, here mm-hmm. I am. I'm doing my funny girl, funny girl, funny girl, funny girl, funny girl. Yeah. Sam, she, she, funny girl. She'd be waking up at like 5 a.m. in the morning with his <laughs> there, like waking him up while he's on the couch singing her songs in the shower and, and you know. Complain probably like they're used to it or they have earplugs and Sam Sam didn't realize he needed earplugs not just for Rachel but then he later discovers that he needs earplugs for other reasons exactly and then Artie would be the only one that he would like spend time with but Artie's off like hooking up with girls at film school and like hey Sam let, I'm gonna do these two chicks at once and oh I don't have any time for you I gotta edit this thing and and Sam can just, I just poor Sam and there's I ever I mean beyond. The you know Sam is a is a country boy and it makes sense for him to be in the country. I could I just feel so bad for him because I'm in a miserable time living in New York in this situation. Santana no wonder, pops in every once in a while. No <laughs> wonder he doesn't want to stay with them. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably like God. <laughs> like I'm going back to Ohio. <laughs> yep. So. Okay, so kind of moving. On. I don't know if there's anything in the New York arc that feels incomplete to me. Um, I don't know if there's anything you guys wanted to. If you had things that you felt like, oh, I wish we would have flushed this out more. I wish we've gotten more of this or that or the other thing. Um, I do the stuff that has been t- the stuff in tested has been talked about. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, the Just- only. Sorry, keep talking over you. No, no, I was just saying, I was going to say, I feel like what, that, the stuff that happened in that episode specifically that it always sat wrong with me, we've always, like, has been talked about. 
Yeah. And for not I mean, I my only thing is I think that Blaine and Kurt spent the night with each other more often than they didn't. Um, so I don't think that Blaine really fully moved out. I think that he had some stuff at Mercedes place and <laughs> that was about it. I mean, the fact that he has such a tiny little suitcase that he rolls in at the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't think, again, it goes to the fact that there's like this complete story there that there's just, uh, yeah, it's fun to fill in little things. Like we'll explore like, in fix just like little beats and stuff like that or, or have meta conversations about what happened in tested but i don't think there's anything that i'm like man i wish they would have shown this because i'm confused as to how that happened kind of thing so i need so do we know where mercedes lived in comparison to where kurt and blaine lived? no because oh my and, god like how did she afford that yeah, the, I mean, there's one thing that I can, I don't really fully understand how Rachel and Kurt were were had this eighteen hundred dollar a month place. I mean, dude, yeah. does Ryan Murphy forget that's a, quite a lot of money for like these two out of Ohio kids? But maybe yeah. that's how rich Rachel's dads were. Because um, <laughs> seriously, um, but for her to be living in a freaking brownstone. Yeah. That would be in Manhattan, and like unless you are rich, or in you can't. Yeah, or in Brooklyn, you probably don't. I had some friends who lived in Washington Heights, which was all the way up as far as north that you can go, and still be on Manhattan. And they had to eventually leave because they couldn't afford it anymore. I mean, and you know, it just it it's. <sighs> Whatever. This is the other thing, and, and I only started to think about this. So I, my my brother and his wife live in um, New York, and their first place was, ironically enough, a place in Bushwick. And when we went to visit them, um, we stayed in Brooklyn, and they were obviously in Bushwick. Depending on where in Bushwick you are, there's, it's actually quite awkward to get to because a, there is a subway mm-hmm. station, but because Bushwick's quite big, it's, it's actually, you know, you either have to walk or you got to catch a bus from bus from Brooklyn. The main reason I ask this is because you say that you know Blaine would want to spend a lot of time with Kurt, probably because the 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 the, the transit between the two places. Yeah, probably, probably a awesome. long time. I mean, think about what they even said with um, even in season four with Rachel and Brody. And Brody was like, "Well, why don't I just move in here? Because then I don't want to worry about taking the train all the time." Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's. People in New York, I've heard from people that have lived in New York say this, that they move in together maybe faster out of necessity um, because of stuff like that, because of housing and stuff like that. So uh, really, realistically, had Mercedes not come along, Blaine and Kurt would have been kind of stuck with each other or one of them would have moved in with Elliot. (laughs) Because, like, oh, Elliot. Oh, Elliot. But, like, I'm, I'm intrigued, like, if I were Kurt and I had the choice between a Bushwick apartment and a brownstone, like, I mean, sorry, Bushwick block, a block and a brownstone, like. I if I had the choice between living with my very loving fiance who gives me sex and isn't irritating and living with Rachel, I mean, I don't understand that either, but, you know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> really makes some interesting choices sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, whatever so all right so, so let, 
<laughs> so the, so Blaine probably spends just as much time in Bushwick as he did before, except now he just doesn't live there in inverted commas. Yeah. Like, is it is it just more that that they the two of them like the idea of being like, oh, we don't live together. It, you know, we're working I, this out. I think it's more of Kurt needed. See, and I always said that had the loft had rooms, actual rooms and doors you could slam and yeah. and places that you could cut yourself off. Kurt needs some space to recuperate and just be alone. And he doesn't get any of that. And to preserve his relationship with Blaine and not hate him completely, he wants to make sure that those boundaries are set so that he can have that time to recuperate from just being with people. Um, as I say, as my own reflection of myself, because that's how I deal with things like, and to not have a room to go into, to do that can feel suffocating. So I feel like it was a pretense of, if I need to be alone, you can go over there and <laughs> I will have that time. Now, I also don't think that Blaine was over there that many times, unless he's like, you know, inviting Kurt over and mm-hmm. they have a ton of candles on you everywhere. Because I'm pretty sure that did happen. Because <laughs> like when Mercedes is like, Blaine lit a lot of candles again. Um, <laughs> but and, and we did see Kurt over at the, the Brownstone more often than you might think. I mean, um, so, see, I don't know why they just didn't spend all their time there. Why did they even bother? I get it. The loft was the set that they had. <laughs> yes. And they didn't want to drag out the other one all the time. But, um, anyway. If I had a choice, I know which I would choose. Oh, God. All right. So, let's move into season six-ish stuff. Well, let's talk about. Well, actually, before we do, then why... Like, I get why they did it story-wise, but why then did did Kurt, like, you can confirm with the time, that your opinion on the time limit. How long were they actually living apart, in inverted commas? Was it, like, a month, a couple of weeks? Okay, so according to my timeline, January is when New New York happens. March, April. It's March, though. Okay, this is... Let me try and explain my timeline because this is why I feel the way I do. Mm-hmm. In the Hurt Locker, Sue has a calendar. <laughs> and I'm basing everything I know off of that, okay? So Sue has this calendar. We are confirmed that we're in October when she is talking about that particular week. It confirms that November is when the wedding episode is going to happen, which is a nice little throwback to when they first met, et cetera, et cetera. It lines up with all the fall activities that happen, like homecoming. Um, And so um, if you go back from it's the fourth week, because each week, each episode is a week of season six. So you're in uh, episodes four and five happen in week four. So if you go back, episode one happens in September. And Kurt explicitly says that he went to their spot that they were supposed to meet six months after they originally were supposed to, they made that pact in the Untailed Rachel Berry project. Yes. So if you go six months before September, that's March. So uh, the Untitled Rachel Berry project had to happen in March. So my head canon is this all happened. Season, the, the New York arc happened between January and March. That's how I came to that conclusion. So basically Blaine lived apart from Kurt for a grand total of maybe three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and didn't actually really move out. <laughs> no. So, I, I, why, I, I, again, I understand story-wise why they moved back in together, but why did they feel all of a sudden that they were ready to move back in together? They, out of necessity. Mercedes is going on tour, so she's losing to Brownstone. Sam is going back home. Rachel is going to L.A., well, I guess that doesn't happen until after he moves back in. But basically, he doesn't have a place to live because Mercedes is leaving. Is it framed as though it's like a choice that they make rather than something that they have to do? Right, but it it, it it's yeah. You know, it feels the, the the terrible part is that it feels so triumphant when it happens. Right, and but it, they never say like nowhere in Untitled Rachel Berry project is there a conversation where it's like Blaine, I'm ready for you to move back in, or yeah. I want to. Yeah. yeah, so it's not. It's it's yeah. You know, I mean just, that's that's just that's just them. They're not really conversing, but it would have been nice. Right, but it's also again like. Mercedes is not going to be there anymore, and so she's leaving. So Blaine takes the five things that he has over at that brownstone and brings them <laughs> back over because he literally has all of his other shit already over there. Let's be real; it was all of his bow ties. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if he left so. them with Kurt, Kurt would have got rid of somebody. Yep. So that's my head cannon for that. Um, uh, you know, and the season six stuff, I know we talked quite a bit about, we had a podcast about what happened between seasons five and six, so I may truncate this a little bit, but, uh, you know, uh, Blaine moves back in, he starts getting, you know, more about let's get married, let's do the wedding, let's get, you know, he gets a little bit pushier about it. Kurt starts to pull away, the downward cycle happens, Kurt breaks it off. Blaine goes home, he, and then we get, like, the, the real serious Blaine being depressed. Um, this is depression. This is straight up. The fact that he can't even play music, that is depression. And, you know, then he meets Karofsky, and he starts to work on himself, and he kind of realizes that he is, a you know, his own person, and he's doing okay, and then we get to the beginning of season six. But if you guys want to go ahead and elaborate, that's totally cool. Feel free to share your thoughts. I just, when, again, they were talking about getting married in May, right? Well, that, that's like, when's Labor Day? In, Labor Day yeah. is in September. Oh, Labor Day is in September. Yeah, that's one reason why I'm like, that's why it hits Kurt so hard, too, is that he is now, it's been six months, he's in the rain, he has this, all his friends are gone, but also, when he's on that date, it's this occurrence that, had they gone on this, you know, normal train of thought, he wouldn't be sitting here with some random date, he'd be actually married to somebody that he loves very much. Um, when, um, I'm trying to, like, again, I just, I just like to think about these things, how long... Between the end of season five, did how long do you think it took for that that conversation in the rain to happen? Because we don't really have an indication of when that actually happened. I see, and I say not that long. I not that long after Rachel left. I don't have a definitive. I, I you know in my fic it was really 
in the fic that I wrote, I will plug it. It's called With Every Broken Bone, go read it. Um, but I um I say relatively quickly afterwards. But you can really make the case for a lot of different things. I mean, it's just one of those things that's so murky that I don't have a good answer for it. I I feel like I agree. I feel like it had to happen early just because there's so many other things that happen after it that, like, yeah. we've got to... Well, <laughs> the American schools, colleges would get out in early May and yeah. Blaine flunks out of college or drops out of college. Yeah, so... so out of college at the end of his first like that first year year, the second semester doesn't start does it yeah his second semester because because american system starts in the fall um so he would have started his beginning of college in the fall and he would have been in the second year so he failed out of the second semester of his first year so I imagine then it would probably maybe would have happened when his exams were supposed to be going. I don't know. That's what don't I thought. Know you know how, I don't know like, how exams work for like. No. Um, and I will say Niata is the, I, I, Niata does not function like an actual college in America. Yeah. It doesn't function like anything I ever, ever did, whatever. Um, the way, just knowing the way Carmen Thibodeau is, if he went to his finals and singing and just like broke down crying and she was like, okay, yeah. you're gone. That's it. That's what I've been. I don't understand Carmen Thibodeau or how she works or why. And I love Whoopi Goldberg, and it really makes me sad that this character makes no sense whatsoever. But that's kind of where I am at with that. So, but I feel like I, I, I feel like he would have to have um, had. I feel like he would have that that would have happened when his final his final exams his finals were going on, and he flunked out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I know in again in your fig, and I feel like a part of me has taken on because I read it a couple of times. Oh, like when, when do you think Kurt found out that Blaine had left? Because I remember in, it sort of was like, oh yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like he's sort of like, oh yeah, Blaine's just going to be dealing with this, or did he just go, oh wait a minute, I'm not seeing Blaine in the hallways anymore? Like when do you think Kurt realized that Blaine was gone? I, I mean. I think that Blaine moved out immediately. Like he probably crashed with Artie or Elliot or somebody for a short amount of time, flunked out really quickly and went back home. And I think that it it wasn't probably, Oh, I don't see him in the hallways. It was probably Artie or Tina or probably really Tina. Um, or or Sam or somebody who was like, just FYI, heads up, Blaine went back to Lima. Or even one of his Niata friends who was like, hey, heads up, Niata. I mean, uh, Blaine went back home. So that's my headcanon. Am I, I really. Because I could have seen like Kurt, like having the idea that Blaine was avoiding him for a while. And then after a little bit of time of that, getting really confused about maybe where he was and then maybe asking around. And yeah. then getting some answers that way. Well, and I think, you know, yeah, I mean, just keeping, there's all the social media stuff too. I mean, yeah. would he, I don't see Kurt like unfriending Blaine or anything. Um, and I make it, I think, I don't remember how I did. I did do the social media stuff in the fic, but um, but Blaine probably unfriended him and like blocked him. And like, so Kurt would stubbornly be like, I don't care, fine, whatever, yeah. and not deal with it. So, yeah, I'm sure that he got a message from Tina and Artie or whoever 
and was like, hey, Blaine went back home kind of thing. And Kurt would have been like, okay, fine. And then just buried those feelings until they all came out again six months later. I've always had this, and I I know I read it in a fic, and I apologize to whoever wrote it. I don't think it was yours, but it might have been one of Flower Friends, I'm not sure. But in in it where Blaine was obviously, like, everyone at Niata had heard that he and Kurt had broken up, and given the way that Niata is as a school, it's pretty bitchy. Um, Blaine stopped going to school because he didn't like, even if the people weren't explicitly talking about him, he could spend that they were and they were like looking at him or talking at him behind his back talking about him him, and he couldn't and he didn't like that so he just removed himself completely from from um scenario stopped going to school because he didn't want to have to deal with that anymore and i don't know maybe some of the some of the things at school he literally just had to show up in order to pass and he stopped doing that so yeah i i get the feeling that he just stopped showing up and stopped you know I don't see Blaine, judging by how he was in season four, and he could barely go through that audition uh, for um, for Greece. Um, <laughs> I think this would have been much more. I think it got to the point, and this is why I said way earlier that I think this de- this depression was harder. That he stopped functioning, like he moved out of there ASAP and tried to probably stay at Artie's for a little bit, like but couldn't even function. Literally, probably went to a week of classes and then flunked out. And Carmen Thibodeau, because he says Carmen Thibodeau cut cut him herself. And so he went straight home after that. I think it was quick. I think it happened very quickly. Yeah. Really sad. But also, (laughs) we've talked at length about how Niata's not a real school. But the fact that, you know, there's very clearly students struggling. It's a real struggle in a real short period of time. And they don't offer any support. No. (laughs) Well, and and just, yeah. I I also would have thought, given that Blaine had paid... But, That's what I was going to also say. The 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 yeah. real big joke about Niata is that, especially when like Carmen Thibodeau was like, you know, axing random extras and stuff like that. If they paid, they're staying. Like, yeah, right. It's, the yeah. thing about American colleges and especially uh, Niata isn't. I don't know if Niata is supposed to be a private school or not. But if it was private, it'd be a whole different ball game. Um, like if you're paying money and you're actually giving them money, they're going to keep you around. Yeah, you know that's the <laughs> bottom line. As everything American, unfortunately, if you're making money off it, they're not going to stop. So oh, here as well. <laughs> like I, I understand that it's meant to represent how well. No, I don't understand it, but I sort of like I get that you know the performing arts is very competitive, and I'm sure that the whole idea is that if you're not performing. There are a million other people that are ready and willing to take your spot. So let's. So why should we waste our time and resources on you? But but that would be as if it was a production. They treat Niata not like a a college and that works off of a government type thing. That you're treating it as if it, it's a production. Whereas if yeah, if you're in a production of something and you are you can't continue it, ninety nine times out of a hundred, they're like, okay, you're gone. We're gonna replace you. Um, but that's not how the school systems work. Glee is just oh, Glee. So. Well, see, I, this is interesting. So I, so I have friends who I have a, a group of friends who are now a, a whole group of them who are now doctors and dentists and whatnot. And the way in which they talk about the programs that they were in, and this is going to sound super terrible, but 
just the way it works, especially dentistry. That program is so competitive, but it's also so that such a small program is that they can't really like they don't have the capabilities to let a student like repeat a year because they don't have enough positions available. So they will often do yeah. as much as they can to make sure that you don't fail. Like you'll have to jump through a lot of hoops. You'll have to take a lot of supplementary exams and like prove that you're, you can move on, but they really do not want to fail you because then they have to find room for you in the year below and they just can't do that. And, and as I say, that doesn't put the greatest confidence in, in, in you know, what happened, you know, the dentists that come in at the end, but it's just the way in which the, the, the schooling system works. They just don't have the case. And I would have thought in a, in a school that's as selective as Niata, it would be like the same thing. Like we don't have time. We don't have the positions to let you repeat. So maybe we just fail you completely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, and yeah, there's, I'm thinking about, cause I went to a musical school and they, they were very selective of like how many people they let in. Um, but it just like my piano instructor was not going to be like, okay, you failed. You get to leave the, you know, complete university, it, it, whatever. And that's the other thing. I mean, I guess Niata being one, one thing is different than me going to a university of various different colleges. If I failed out of the music college, I could have probably still taken other, you know, classes in other colleges or whatever, but I don't know. So that's why Niada is a scam. It just is the worst representation of American schooling ever. Um, so, so kind of moving on, let's talk a little bit just about, I mean, I know we, we mentioned it earlier, so I guess we don't have to linger on it too long, but we can, let's get into the Krofsky stuff and the season six stuff. And like, how long after Blaine returning home, do you think he met Krofsky and, and all of that started rolling on? I'd like to think that he was like got home, and I know that you guys don't think that his mother was particularly like. (laughs) You can tell us we're wrong. That's fine. But I just feel like when like somebody's got to be the person in this situation that says to Blaine, "You need to get help," and the only one really in that scenario, I feel like, is going to be his mum because he doesn't. There's no Kurt. There's no Bert. There's no school. Might have been Sam, but that just feels a little bit weird to me. So it's got to be like his mother, in my mind, has got to be like, all right, going out and we're getting you some help because there's got to be some time period for him to find that, like that to adjust. Because what we saw in that flashback at the start of season six, where he literally couldn't play music, um, which says to me he probably couldn't enjoy music either. So why would he go out and like go to scandals where music is clearly playing and? And all that. I, I just get the feeling that that time in Blaine's life was just very silent. There was like, not, and that probably exacerbated how he was feeling. But it was just there was silence. There was literally there's no music. He probably couldn't watch anything. All of his favorite TV shows probably remind him of Kurt. Like all all of all of his favorite movies probably reminded him of Kurt. So it was just him and his thoughts. See, and yeah. I that's I one reason see it being like. I almost see it being like an exercise that he might be doing after like one of his like early sessions of like going out back into the world and engaging in something again or just getting out of the house and going somewhere. I could see that almost being an exercise that he might, that might've been like um, suggested to him. I didn't. Places. (laughs) 
Well, I would. I, I kind of have two thoughts from that. One being, this is another reason why I think it it ha- the breakup stuff happened really quickly after, because um, because I think that Blaine needed enough time to heal, and I think six yeah. months would have been much better than if it had been like a month. Um, yeah. And but the we we kind of talked about back when we discussed it the first time um, that the therapist was like. Hey, why don't you try going out and being social? Not saying, hey, go to this gay bar, but like, why don't you try going out with some friends? Why don't you try going out and doing this kind of thing? And, you know, he starts, you know, after, you know, six months and he's, you know, probably hanging out with Sam and probably getting on his own feet again and has already started at Dalton. Mm. I'm guessing he's like, Okay, well, look, why don't I go to like a place where like, the only place that he probably knows in Lima, um, which would be scandals, and he starts hanging out there. And I, you know, here's my thing: Do you think that Blaine hooked up with other people before he hooked up with with Karofsky? Mm-hmm. Not that I don't think he sh- like. I think he was more than in his right. Like he. Could have if he wanted to. I don't know whether he was necessarily in a place to do that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I I also feel like it would have taken a lot for him to go to scandals again, given that um, you know it would have reminded him of Kurt. I feel like there would have there had to have been this whole moment where he had to deal with the fact that going back to Dalton meant dealing with memories of Kurt going back to McKinley meant dealing with like how I felt about Kurt. And I feel like the fact that all of these things have happened suggests that perhaps that that's why he ended up, he could have ended, he did end up at scandal. Sorry, because all these other places he, that reminded him of Kurt, he was able to deal with and get through. So why not add scandals to that list? Mm. Well, I mean, even think about his relationship with Karofsky was inadvertently around Kurt. I mean, like he says, um, or at least Karofsky says, you know, we, we met here at scandals and we started, he, you know, the first thing Blaine was doing was venting about how he, Kurt, he's so angry at Kurt and Mm. Karofsky of all people, um, was like, you know, it's not that bad. You know, look what he helped me through, and he helped you through this too. And yeah, it may be over, but he's not such a bad guy. And the fact that Karofsky, of all people, is giving him therapy about Kurt is twisted in a lot of ways. But that's kind of what that relationship stemmed out of. And I, mm-hmm. I do think that it was expedited when Kurt returned home. Like, I don't think that they were like that together when they were probably, you know, sleeping with each other and going on these dates. But I think the minute Kurt got home, Blaine was like, okay, human shield, we're going to make this a very serious relationship. We're going to move in and we're going to, you know, and that's when that happened. Um, But I'm I'm just intrigued that Karofsky went along with it. Like, do you think he, because he seems to know, he, he says as much, like, as soon as Kurt got home, there was a ticking time bomb over our head, and yet he still agreed. <laughs> like, I mean, if, like, if you were sleeping with Blaine Anderson, wouldn't you go along with it? That's best. That's best. <laughs> best argument of the night. <laughs> he's, like, hoping for the best, and even, like, he's hoping yeah. it would work out, and so he's going to do everything he can to, like, be a part of that. Yeah, I think it's it was nice and easy for Karofsky, too, and you know, they definitely did like each other. Um, I don't think either one of them were in love with each other. It was just a nice, easy thing. And 
convenient to live together and it was fine and Croft that's why Krofsky went with it. So So we we don't get I mean, this is one thing I don't I think season well, one of the things that I think season six was less less successful in is that there's not a lot of Blaine point of view. Like we see plenty of Blaine in season six, but we don't really see a lot of like how he's feeling as such. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people have read into the moment, obviously where they re- where they made it scandals and where Karofsky comes into the picture and Kurt leaves and it lingers on Blaine's face for a moment. Like mm-hmm. he clearly knew that Kurt was going, I mean, other than the fact that Krosky and Kurt had a, a torrid history, like the fact that he's moved on and Kurt explicitly says, like, I'm here to get you back. And then Blaine's like, well, actually, I'm seeing someone. He had to know that that was going to, like, you know, be a knife through Kurt's chest. And, you know, he still did it. Like, it's not that it's vindictive, but it's still very... I yeah, I definitely think it was a deliberate choice. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a little vindictive. I think in that moment... That Blaine wasn't, he was, he was angry. And I just, it was, um, I don't think he realized how much it was going to hurt Kurt. I think Mm -hmm. that he said, oh, Kurt wants to talk to me. And he, and probably in his head, he thought that Kurt was going to be the, like, let's try to be good friends. I don't think he expected Kurt to be like, I want you back. I think he was going to be, let's be cordial and let's be friends. And we're both back in Lima, but it's okay. You know, and so Blaine brought Karofsky along saying, okay, I'm going to have a boyfriend and I'm going to be cool with us being friends and it's going to be fine. And then, like, I think the whole, I'm going to, you know, be friends, you know, I want to be, I want you, I want, basically, I still love you and I want you back, totally took Blaine off guard. And, you know, Blaine was not ready for that. And so when Kurt actually takes off to the bathroom crying, I think it's a mixed emotion thing, like, oh, I didn't realize, like, this was going to be, this was a lot, it ended up being a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I think it's a case of, it's what I wanted. Oh, no, actually, wait, I take it back. It's not what I wanted at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. But how, um, do you think, do, was it, do you think it's Rachel that organized that meeting? And why scandals of all places? Well, because Rachel organized it because she said, because uh, Kurt was so stupidly, this was such a bad piece of writing when he's like in his speech, when he's like, can you think of a place that's a mutual place that we both know that would be okay that we could meet up again? And then the way he phrases nope. it is such an exposition. <laughs> like Not the, the writers, lima bean, maybe? No, yeah, let's go I, to which Way better. Let's go to, so yeah, Rachel had a hand in it. Um, I don't know why scandals, maybe other than to reiterate that Kurt's 21 at this point. I don't know. I like, <laughs> I don't know why. I, I, I think it was, it was, it was solely purposeful for the audience to have that connection because of the first time stuff. I yeah. think that is a hundred percent why they did that. Not because of story, like sensical storytelling. I think it was purposeful for the, the throwback to the older episode. And also, at all the people that still continue to be like, oh, but Karofsky tormented Kurt. I can't believe Blaine dated him. I don't think Blaine would have invited 
across Geet to that meeting if he and Kurt hadn't settled all of their issues. No, that and it, it I mean it's a testament to that season two storytelling of how strong it was. But with all of the the story that they've told of Karofsky after that, Kurt had forgiven him at the end of season two. They had moved on. Kurt mm-hmm. considered him an acquaintance at best. They weren't like BFF, but he did say in On My Way that they were friends. They yeah. weren't close. They weren't, you know, whatever. But um, Kurt had moved past that. And yeah, it is a twist of the knife. I mean, when when it's such a great little moment when Krofsky comes in and, and puts his hand on Kurt's back and, and Kurt flinches because he knows that it mm-hmm. is. It's a startling thing. But um, no, I don't think the Krofsky of it is the most hurtful part of that whole thing. No. So just because we have a very bad reaction to it doesn't mean yeah, Kurt is reacting the same and way. I, yeah, when it was first announced, whoo boy. Yeah, Ooh, exactly. <laughs> so, okay, so w- let's just talking about season six. Is there anything that y- you know? You said that we didn't, we don't get to see a lot of Blaine's point of view. But is there anything within there that you wished that we could have gotten a little bit more of? Well, even after Kurt says that he's here to get him back, we don't really see Blaine processing that information because we've talked at length about how in season four, especially. That would have been all that Blaine wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. And yet, we don't really have a reaction to it here now. Yeah. It would have been nice to have. I mean, episode seven is a lot of Blaine point of view. And how, like, how that, how well, it ties into his, um, re- you know, journey and recovery so far and what that means for. This is how, because it basically changed, turns everything up on his head. Suddenly, where he thought. It's going to be if he's going to have to move forward without Kurt and really um, come to terms with the idea of a future that doesn't involve the two of them anymore and what that means for him as a person and what he wants and what he wants to do. And suddenly it's kind of he has to question, well, now that possibility is back on the table and it probably messes with every emotion that he's going through about that was something he always wanted and now is it anymore or like can he still want that with with everything that happened? And yeah. It probably turns everything on his head. I would have liked to have seen that, but I mean, Glee doesn't do process. So. I always want more process because they never give us enough, but I think my stuff is more of, I wish that, you know, yeah, I wish Blaine, we would have, we would have heard Blaine talk about his feelings on things to anybody, to Karofsky, to like, they allude to a little bit of it here and there, but to, to have, like Blaine just didn't have, like, I don't know why they decided to like completely drop the Sam Blaine friendship during season why? three. Yeah. yeah, they, but they did. But I think a lot of it had to do with hooking Sam up with Rachel. A lot of it was because yeah. Blaine and, and Kurt's relationship was the, you know, like I said, they're going back to season two. So what were the relationships in season two? Well, this, this, and this. Um, but we, you know, it would have been nice to have a conversation between Blaine and Sam where Blaine can just have a friend to talk to. Um, yeah, because the problem is that they kind of want, they, they do all this hard work to give him a support system. And then in season six, they kind of just take it all away. And yeah, yeah except for the, it, it's still, I mean, like he's still like in the first or second episode or whatever, they say that he's still spending time with Sam. We just don't um, see it. We just don't see it. Yeah. Um, and it's because there's they have so many eight billion things that they're doing in season six, and some of it's. I mean, yeah, 
that they just didn't have time. I mean, they're so busy working on stupid Sue and Will and whatever. And, it, you yeah. know, it just, it, it just Blaine's story, unfortunately, gets cut down to the way, you know, by the wayside. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, that kind of a conversation, and I do think he did have it. I think that he was still seeing his therapist. I do think he was still having conversations with Sam. I do think that he and Kurt started to talk again. And I think that's one reason why, you know, after that third episode into the, you know, the Hurt Locker stuff, they start having conversations together again. And I mean, it, yeah, I'd like uh, to think this this time. You know how earlier I was like it was it was Blaine sending text messages and kept taking his time to like respond to them. I feel like this time would be the opposite. Yep, I totally agree mm-hmm. with that. It would be the one sending these messages, and Blaine would take his time to respond to them. But he would. I mean, in both situations, they eventually would. But it would be more yep. like there's this unspoken thing right where we don't call one another because that puts too much pressure on the other person. And I feel like there's probably, I would love to read this moment where, you know, we lead up to that moment and maybe right after Blaine comes in six or seven, when Blaine comes to see Kurt and, you know, he brushes it off, Kurt actually calls him and is like, Hey, so are you actually okay? Like, I just feel like it's a, and the fact that Blaine would pick up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he promised to always pick up Kurt's phone call, you know? Yeah, and I do that's think that true. I do think that's still a thing that happens. I think, uh, yeah, uh, between the, all the, it's kind of funny because in real life, I wouldn't say, you know, if you make promises that are just this far fetched, it, it's not a thing that you can hold on to. But within the Glee verse, you know, like Kurt never said goodbye to Blaine. That is a promise that he can always hold to. That that this fictional character will never say goodbye to Blaine. Like. Um, and likewise, I think that Blaine would always pick up Kurt's call and all of these promises that they make to me, like Kurt says in tested, you know, I will always love you. That is a thing that says that stays true. So I just, yeah, it, you can't make, um, explicit in real life. You cannot make those such explicit extreme promises, but in fiction you can. So. I'd, I'd like to think also, and, and I think this happened, uh, I, I read this in Ethic, I think. I also feel like the two of them would not would avoid putting themselves in situations where that might happen. So, like, right after the breakup, I'm sure Kurt went out of his way to make sure that he was not put in a situation, no matter how much he was hurting. Like, right. he was not put in a situation where he would have to say goodbye to Blaine. And the right. same thing now where, like, he would not put himself in a like Blaine would not put himself in a situation where he would have to like reject Kurt's phone call because he, you know, yeah. I can say that. Baby. That's good. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, yeah. So, and I think the, the weirdest thing, like, first of all, the stuff that like with the elevator, I, as I said on the podcast, it's an allegory of them kind of working out their, you know, shit and being, I don't think they explicitly talk about their relationship, but I do think they get back into, a pattern of being in an enclosed space, but being able to yeah. tolerate each other. And yeah. after that, I don't, I really don't think a lot of the heavy lifting stuff happens after it doesn't happen until after they're married. I think yeah. that they yeah. get back together, they get married. And then in this time period, before they off to New York, they're like, okay, how do we sit and make this, make sure that this works for us? Are we going to therapy? Are we going to talk about these certain things? And I just, you know, I, 
just because, you know, we see them five years later and I just, you know, have the faith in them that they can do it. I think that, you know, they, they make the effort post wedding to recognize that they, you know, screwed up twice now. How do we make sure that this doesn't happen again? And I, I just, I've always felt that the rings on their fingers were the reminders that when things get so tough, don't run away. We get to sit down and work this out and figure it out. Because I do think they're going to have issues their entire life, but I do think, you know, reminding themselves that they've made this commitment, committed choice, they're going to continue to try and work on it. Which is why I've always wondered, do you think um, that if Kurt had only just maybe proposed to Blaine rather than married him in 608, would you think that would have been enough for Blaine? Oh, I'm sorry, what was the question? Oh, so instead of like, you know, obviously they get married, spontaneous wedding mm-hmm. in 608. Do you think if rather than marrying him, but Kurt had m- maybe just proposed to him, yeah. do you think that would have been enough? I think so, but I you think guys so. Because you know. I, I think so. that would have been, that could have been a nice kind of parallel back to yeah. love, love. And also because we haven't really seen like Kurt do those kind of grand gestures in the same way, it would have almost been like Kurt kind of approaching Blaine on his kind of like through his kind of like love language and make a gesture to say, this is me, I want to commit to you. And, yeah, make like a statement about it. I wish in the the episode, and I'm pretty sure I talked about it either in the actual episode or in the script episode or something, but I I said one of the things, they did it, the way they did it so that they could do the commercial break and yeah, I know. stupid. Yeah. But I wish that in that moment, when faced with that choice, we would have seen the moment where Kurt said, you know what? I do want to marry you because I think that yes, Kurt's not going to ever that. do, not ever going to do the 800 show choirs and whatever. He's not going to do that because that's just not the way he does that. But I think just this really beautiful, quiet moment of yeah. Kurt just like taking a breath and relaxing and going, you know what? I do want to spend the rest of my life with you mm. because that I think would have also given like a lot of the plane fans, a lot of like, yeah. but just even as a clean fan and even as a Kurt fan, it would have been yeah. nice just to see that explode. And they kind of sort of do that in the reunion scene 20 minutes earlier, but I, I, just, st- I did want that say, moment because like yeah. even that earlier moment felt like rushed to me. It was rushed. Yeah. Oh, so don't even get me started on the wedding. <laughs> but like, no, I just need to give you some context. So I watched that. I was not in, I didn't watch that episode with fandom. It happened to be my grandparents 50th wedding anniversary. I think it was. Hmm. So like I, I traveled to rural again, to rural Victoria. And um, was completely removed from fandom watching that episode. Um, the night before it meant to it went was supposed to air, I sat down. I was like watching the best of Clean compilation, like basically just putting on episodes and fast forwarding to the Clean stuff. And I was like, oh man, they've got so many great history in terms of like their vows. Imagine all the cool stuff that they could call back to. And then um, I watched the episode later in the evening, downloaded it, and as I said, I was completely removed from fandom at the time. And I remember being like, oh, but I didn't get anything that I wanted. And not watching it live meant I didn't get that commercial cut. So it literally just carried on. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, same, well, same here. I didn't like, because I never watched anything with ads ever. I always downloaded them. And like, so I never had ad breaks with anything. So same, it just carried what? right on into the next scene. See, and I, it was kind of funny because I had a different reaction than a lot of fandom because. 
at the time, I was so mad that Seven didn't kind of do what I wanted it to do. Yeah, like, whatever. Eight. Yeah. Uh, well, and now I'm not, I'm not mad at Seven anymore. It's really all the issues with Eight. But um, I, I just was kind of like, whatever. I wanted one thing and they didn't give it to me. But I just wanted one thing. Because mm-hmm. I, I was so spoiled at that point that I knew we weren't going to get a conversation. I knew that it was going to be just all, you know, what it was. But I wanted them to just have their first slow dance together. And they didn't yeah. even do that. Yeah. And I'm just like, I think that was that point where, I mean, fandom was raging. And I was just kind of like, just so apathetic at that point. Because it was so like, fine, whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> you can't even give me this low bar, but okay. <laughs> um, so, I... That's very similar how I felt. <laughs> All I needed was for Kurt to be the one to not, it doesn't need to be a big romantic gesture in, in the way that, yeah, we didn't need all the show choirs, but yeah. some form of like romantic speech, which called back to any of the things that Blaine had ever said to him. Yes. Just been, Cause I'm here for parallels as well. That would have just been like perfect. Just yeah. like everything. Cause also I remember at that point, let's be real. The only ones watching the show were the fans, and everybody already knew that they were getting married. So, like, why did we need that cutaway anyway? Yeah, we we talked about that a lot on the actual podcast too. I mean, it's uh, yeah, not to completely rehash all of that, but it was, it was, you know, a lot of times I feel like it's best to remember that sometimes it is about the journey and not about the end because the ending I sometimes feel like just doesn't always hold up to all of the pressure and baggage that you know lead up to it mm. so we got the proposal which was a spiritual wedding that i think is just far better and i i am saddened that we never got you know the kind of parallel reversal uh, you know glee was so glee was so on a different page different page and their storytelling ideas and goals from what fandom wanted that it just was never going to work um you know, they were so far on that we have to get the Glee. The, the main story was the Glee Club, but coming back. And meanwhile, let's talk about this story about gay rights and marriage equality that they completely just fumbled the ending of the, the story that they were telling. So the main reason I linger upon it is because it's the one thing that I really thought that Blaine deserved. And I don't like being yeah. deserved, but I just feel like. That's something he'd been the one throughout the entire show to do these big romantic gestures, and he deserved to have one for himself, and he didn't get it. And I'm really sad about it. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I can't fix it. That's the other no, thing. I mean, fix it. I, 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 I mean, I hate writing about it, but it's like I, I've had, you know, people talk to me privately mostly i don't usually do it like but you know like they get so upset about season six or this and that and the other thing and i'm like at the end of the day either you can accept that's what happened and fill in your own blanks and write your stories and move on or you can just sit and be angry about it but you can't change it like yeah, it's done I so i know like, and i'm not saying time, you like, shouldn't I get feel sad. sad like yeah. yeah like a lot of times i get sad i'm like oh, i wish we had this i wanted to yeah. see this but yeah, then exactly. I go away and read fan fiction. Yeah. So. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't be sad about it. I'm yeah. just saying at the end of the day, it's not worth the energy of being angry about it because there's nothing you can do. Yeah. So. I literally just go, it's glee. Yeah. That's and at the same time, 
I do this all the time, and I, and I bring it up every single time a TV show ends. Most recently with Game of Thrones, everyone was disappointed. And I go, well, look, Glee might have disappointed me in some respects, but at least arguably most of the characters that I, that I enjoyed watching ended up pretty happy. And yeah. I was not as disappointed at that ending as other people seem to be about the ending of their shows. So really, I don't have much to complain about. So, yeah. Exactly. Well, and, and at least they got a, a happy ending in general. And I mean, we can talk a little bit, just uh, maybe to wrap it up. Let's talk a little bit about the the little bit before um, before the finale, and then like Clay and, and and Blaine specifically in the future. But um, the, the little bit between, we know we didn't get really anything. I knew we weren't going to. But at the same time, I think this is like what we were talking about. This is where they really start to fix themselves i mean they're already fixed themselves uh, individually and i think this is where they come together and they they are a happy couple again and glee doesn't like to tell stories about happy couples so obviously they're not getting screen time but i think that they're okay and they go back to new york as an okay couple and i do think like they're I don't know. I know we don't really get anything, but at the same time, just knowing the history of what has been before it and knowing that they're okay as individual people, you know, they're going to go back to New York. Blaine's going to go back to NYU. They're going to get their own little place with doors and everything. Yeah. I was about to say, they are going to go back and they're going to live together. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Can I just say the one thing before we do that though, I, I, the only other thing that I was a bit sad that the show never lingered on was the fact that, Dalton burning down was probably a really, really hard thing for Blaine. <laughs> yeah, that and the fact that it was really only done to satisfy Glee Club needing twelve people. Right, it's such a <laughs> pop out. <laughs> oh, I do remember reading some like amazing meta. Um, I think the other day around Blaine and like the bird meta and him being like a phoenix and how that. Yeah, all- I like thing. that. That was really cool. Oh. I'll try and like reblog it if anyone wants to check out my blog and they want to read that. Yeah, they should. So, yeah, Blaine would be super turned on by being a phoenix though because it's a bird. <laughs> well, exactly. Do you think he liked Dark Phoenix? Anyway, um, <laughs> I haven't seen it to be honest with you. He probably look. It got it. It's got phoenix in the title. He'd like it. Yeah, it's not really that good. But also, anyway. I, don't know, I don't know a lot about the storyline, but I get the feeling that Blaine will also project himself upon Jean Grey a little bit. So oh, he so would. He's so yeah. Jean Grey. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> Just not get me started on that. Um, Another podcast. <laughs> that, oh, jeez. Um, so um, let's talk about Blaine in the future and what kind of a person he turns into. And. What? Just... I I don't like this story. I mean, I read so many fics. Why is it in every single fic it is that, that Blaine is the one that takes the paternity leave and Kurt is the one that continues to work? Okay. I don't know. I think it's, yeah. I think Blaine is the more paternal one of the two of them. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm not saying not the that one I agree with, with it, but. He's not the one that grew up with the father figure. That no, like, that's true. He's not. He he didn't. I, I think it's disingenuous to think that they both wouldn't be as loving fathers as you know. Like <sighs> Kurt would be more paternal than I think people give him credit for. In yeah. the way that Bert yeah. is more. Like if you knew Bert, and I this is the character father's son a lot of the time. Yeah. 
So, like, Bert, when you first meet him, he's, like, this gruff guy who watches fishing and likes football. And you wouldn't think that he was the most paternal of people, but he really, really is. And Kurt's going to be the same way. Um, and, I mean, who knows? Maybe there's a story there where, where Blaine isn't. It just kind of goes into his family and is, like, goes off and he does all these things. And it's kind of sometimes, like, I think Blaine is, is a very caring and loving person and probably wouldn't do that. But, like, yeah. it's. I think they would get hire a nanny and like have her help out or him help out or whoever help out. And, um, they would both make it a point to be equally involved in that child's life. I don't, you know. And we know that they kind of work together in the future. So maybe they kind of both make a point that in order to kind of, um, move forward as a family, they make kind of choices that, mean that they're working or just kind of being together and sharing that kind of role. I think there's a really intriguing story and I don't, and I don't have the chops to really explore it, but I really think there's a interesting story that I know a lot of people like to put Blaine in the position of the slightly more overt understanding, like the one who comes to fatherhood really easily but I really think there's an interesting story where it's it's not Blaine because he didn't have that that father figure that Kurt did. He doesn't, and, and he would feel really, um, uh, what's the word? He wouldn't feel very sure of himself and his own capabilities because he'd be like, I didn't have the best father growing up, so I don't really know how to react in this situation. He'd try his best, but I just think there's a really interesting story story there where maybe he isn't very good at it to start yeah. with and he's the one that has to do I, everything I feel like I've read something a little while I can't remember when it would have been easier yeah. I, I wouldn't know how to find it now where like in the beginning as like an infant Blaine would have been like really hands-on really caring and really loving but when the kind of like that child starts to develop a personality and like instincts and wants and needs and situations where he wouldn't kind of or like he didn't like th- those fears and those insecurities like came full on head on and he didn't cope well. I can't remember what it would have been. I can also see him being well, I can kind see of that. in a different direction a little bit where Kurt comes naturally to things yeah, and Blaine being a little yeah. frustrated that he isn't. And yeah. maybe, I mean, maybe who knows at what point in the child's development this is, but I can see him being a little, frustrated at himself and at Kurt and whatever that he can't fix the thing but it comes naturally and he you know and it becomes another thing that they have to work on because Kurt doesn't like really take kindly to the fact that like why would you think that I'm not as good a father of you or something like that and you know Blaine self-doubt and that you can go into all of these interesting like dynamics of you know I I think they'll be fine I think as adults that Kurt and Blaine function better yeah. <laughs> um, just as adults and as, you know, understanding each other better as, as adults and, and they won't react as emotionally because they are adults. And um, I also think like they balance each other out, like yeah. in terms of what is um, the things that they understand the best and what comes to them the, the most naturally. It's almost like they would balance each other out because it'd be different for the two of them and they could help mm-hmm. the other. Exactly. I also exactly. think to just, you guys were talking about before how you think they might get a, a nanny. I feel like, Given what we people maybe accepted about Blaine's childhood, he probably grew up maybe with a nanny in the house 
as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it would be a, a an entire thing for Blaine to have to come to terms with, like, just because you need a nanny does not make you a bad parent. Right. Um, right. I'm guessing that's another fight he and Kurt get into. Like, I want a yeah. nanny. It's helpful. And, and, and Kurt being like, well, I didn't have one. And, like, you know, we need to be there for this kid. And, you know, that being another discussion well, I, I would have thought them. it would actually be Kurt that m- maybe would insist on getting the nanny because he knows like he's quite sure of his own parenting capabilities and the fact that you know you show your child you love them not through the qu- quantity of time you spend with them but the quality of time whereas Blaine's grown up with a nanny and he feels like his parents were not successful parents and he maybe goes well they were not successful because they didn't spend enough time with me they spent time with the- I spent time with the nanny and so mm-hmm. like see and I'm a little bit only because of, and this is a weird thing because it's not always a thing in America, but um, it's a class thing. Kurt yes, didn't yeah. grow up that with money. Just, yeah. So yeah. for him to just be like, well, childcare, um, I think it would be um, like Kurt would send his kid to daycare, which he probably went to, but he just the idea of a nanny would probably be a little foreign to him. Um, because he didn't, wouldn't have grown up with something like that. So I'm, that's why I'm a little bit as, uh, pushing against a little of the idea of Kurt, like getting a nanny before Blaine would, but I understand your point in that mm. Blaine being a little apprehensive if he did grow up in that situation and he felt like he doesn't want that kid to, to go through the kind of stuff that he would. So maybe they wouldn't get a nanny at all because and, not but I also <laughs> wonder, is, is he going off your point? If that would maybe affect the choices that Blaine would make in order to be around and to maybe be at home more. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. get, this would be Blaine's own self-sabotage, probably like playing a role in like it would like, I feel like, like in my mind, Blaine is always going to struggle with depression. It's not in my, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a chronic yeah. thing yeah. and it would rear its head in like the worst possible moments. And this may be one of those where he starts to like sabotage his own career because he doesn't want to be a terrible father, but of course he's yes. not a terrible father. So like it's all yeah. about finding that well, balance for him. And I can kind of see, not that I, like I said, I don't think it should be something that's always explicitly this way in fan. And, but I do understand the the drifting towards Blaine being this the the one that takes you know like time off from his job to do it, but I can also see Blaine being somebody might who be a little too clingy to his child, where there starts to be like the kid pushes back a little bit too, like Dad, why are you always controlling me? Like that kind of thing, like you know, um, I don't know. I but I I think they'll be they'll both be fine parents. Kurt, Kurt raids the closet one day and finds a puppet of their children. It's like, Blaine, we've been <laughs> over this. We've talked about this. Um, so kind of moving away from childcare, let's talk about Blaine's career for just a little bit. And what kind of things do you think, you know, where does he go as an adult performer? Um, See, I don't know enough about Broadway, Broadway roles as such to be like, this is what I always wanted Blaine to play type person. Well, that's the first. Well, I didn't mean that. Like, what roles would he play? Oh no, I just, I just wanted meant, if you had one in mind. Like, this no, is I don't know enough about it. Role. Um, the thing that frustrates me again about Glee is that they limit it so much. I, 
I, and people get so up in arms about this, but I just see Blaine doing lots of different types of things. I do see Blaine in an educator type role. Not that he needs to be take, teaching elementary school or anything, but I can see him being a performer, but also being like an acting coach or being somebody who um, just helps other actors out. Um, I he he does it is in the script that he's written musicals himself. Mm. So he is doing that. Um, I just think it's very limiting to say, um, you are a Broadway performer and that is the only thing you're going to do because I don't think most Broadway performers are Broadway performers, their entire careers. Mm. I feel like he would, as a young man, he would probably spend a lot of time performing. And, and once they do have kids, that's when he and Kurt have to sit down and kind of yeah. raise their, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where they want to go with their lives, whether or not it's sustainable to continue to be performers, especially when they have a young child, maybe they take a break and then come back mm-hmm. when their kid's a little bit older. Like, I, I mean, that's, yeah, I don't necessarily see one of them stopping to be a parent, but I do see one of them saying, okay, I'm going to be somebody who's doing a little bit more. St- I mean, maybe they like in my, I wrote a like final season of Glee thing where we go to like season 11 and I wrote them buying a, um, a theater and renovating that and running a theater. And that was their stable income that they would have while they were parents. Um, because performing is not stable. I mean, unless you are no. making a zillion dollars from it, which you're you probably like, not going to. Miranda, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which, yeah, how many of of that can you count on one? You know, uh, can you name off off the top of your head? Not as not very many. So, um, and that's not to say I don't think either of them would find that le- like find a level of success. I feel like they oh, would yeah. be successful, yeah. but I kind of always saw like as you were saying, like he's maybe he's as his younger years as an adult being quite successful. Um, as an entertainer and finding opportunities to perform and getting gigs um, and having people really recognize his talent, I think. Um, and I think later on as like starting a family or wanting, like you said, more stability, I definitely see him going into more edu- um, educated type roles and wanting to um, help other people. I think he's someone who, with what he's kind of gone through himself would probably definitely have a lot of empathy. And I think sometimes that manifests in a way of wanting to um, be an educator and help other people. I feel like you were spot on with how I see it. I know that there's pushback against Blaine being a teacher. I think it's specifically Sorry, because no. people dislike the idea that Blaine would not be a performer and like, like? You know, that he's not as good as Kurt or whatever. It's exactly. Well, well, you know, that's what it's evolved and into. It does, and, and I don't want to... Oh, my goodness. What was that? Hello? Hello? Is that you? <laughs> what Sorry? happened? Where did everyone go? What was Are you that? here? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Oh, good. That was just a okay. big, like, windy noise. Was, like, I have no idea, like, like, everything, like, I finished talking and then everything went silent. I couldn't hear anything. Oh, no. Like, like, I'm like, are you guys there? No one said anything. Because we were just, we were listening to this sound. It's really weird. A little bit earlier today, um, I was just out here playing, in the living room, playing a video game with my brothers in his bedroom. And all of a sudden, there was this, like, 
bloody murder screaming and i'm like oh what is he watching again and he comes out and he goes did you hear that i'm like oh you mean you're screaming like it i'm like yeah because it lasted a good like 10 seconds it wasn't like a, ah it was like a, ah and it was it was like really when you think about it, it was terrifying but i thought he was watching television and he comes out he's like that wasn't my tv that was like from outside from across the street or something yeah. we were like Okay, and so like nothing happened to me. I didn't hear anything. Like I didn't move. I didn't touch anything. I just didn't like. It's like you guys weren't there anymore. It was a plane overhead. I'm guessing. I always blamed the planes. (laughs) Um. So. Anyway. Yeah. Weird. Maybe it was the the American government listening in. They really were into our blame conversation. (laughs) They were like, "You guys have talked about blame enough. Time to stop." (laughs) We do need to start wrapping it up, though. Um, Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I, the, the other thing that's kind of, this is going to sound kind of weird to me or to, to other people. I don't necessarily see Kurt and Blaine being like overly famous. I don't really want them to be overly famous. No, Maybe there's a part of them that just wants them to be, you know, more like me or more something that I can relate to, but I want them to have, be a moderate success, but I don't yeah. need them to be uber famous. So, so it's like kind of like niche, they, niche kind of person. This is the thing is that even those actors that do end up winning Tonys, unless, again, unless you reach the level of fame as someone like, again, I'll say Lynn manuel Miranda, yep. you don't, you, you, you're still well known within your industry, but you're not, yeah. you're yeah. not, a, that everybody, look, I mean, they're going to be connected to Rachel Berry, so. Exactly. Like who even, I mean, out side of industry do people really know who jonathan groff is i mean i know he's done television and he's done you know uh, you know other things outside of broadway but i i, I still don't think like for example yeah i would John. yeah I, I feel like rachel would probably end up being like that like the patty lapone in the way that people know of you but they do yeah. not couldn't may not be able to say what you've been in or what you've done but like i know that name yep exactly even, <laughs> even broadway I would even say Jane Lynch is like a person, not that she's way more famous than I want Kurt and Blaine to be, but like Jane Lynch is one of those people where people are like, oh, I know that woman from something and have probably seen like 10, 15 things that she's in, but have never really like put the name to the face. Um, Please tell me that like either Kurt or Blaine end up guest starring in like Law and Order, you know, like how every Broadway (laughs) actor ends up in like an episode of Law and Order. (laughs) Or something like yeah exactly or they've done something they've done a small bit in a movie or they've done a part you know but i just don't see them being uber famous or whatever and i just don't because i just don't want them that for them i want them to be just the moderate successes that they'll yeah. be mm-hmm. and you know then they have their they'll nice be, life I think they'll be successful within the industry but they will not yeah. reach the level of fame that either her, be Chris or Aaron have. <laughs> well that's what yeah. i want from them anyway yeah. yeah. My problem is, is that anytime either of them read, if I read anything, it sort of that's when it starts to to toe the line of being too close to real life, and and that's yeah, when that's maybe yeah. what it is too. Like, I I don't want them to be Chris or Darren. I don't need yeah. them to be and Chris or why, Darren. But, but like, I I think like Kurt being a writer, yeah, that's fine. But as long as it's a writer of like plays, and exactly. Musicals, and Blaine being someone who writes music, but it's for plays and musical, like for musicals. Exactly. Maybe even that kind of definite, there's a definite line. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's even in my own writing, I have to be careful with writing Blaine sometimes because there's a lot of Darrenisms that 
like want to sneak into it, but I'm like, no, I really can't go that way with it because that would feel more Darren than, than Blaine. Yeah. Um, so like, I feel like Blaine, just, uh, although we did see him play the guitar in like that one episode where it was clearly Darren anyway, I would like mm-hmm. to think Blaine's musical like instrument of choice is always going to be like the piano. Yeah. Even yeah. Darren does play the piano, but I think he's a guitar guy. I think Blaine is very much a piano. A pianist. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like a classically trained pianist, whereas you know Darren taught himself. Yeah, but Darren had some training. Not on the piano. I think oh. it was violin. Okay. He had violin training, but he taught himself everything else. Okay. Um. So. So yeah, I think. The, Do they end the... up? Okay, real question, because this is a nice way to end. Do they end up at the lighthouse in their artist colony? <laughs> Uh, no, I think, you know why? This is why, okay, because funny story about my mom. She, when she was a teenager, she was like, I'm going to get married to a doctor and have a, a horse-drawn carriage that takes me everywhere. And she was like 17, and she declared this to her family, you know. My dad is not a, direct, a doctor. He's definitely, like, she does not go anywhere in a freaking horse and carriage. Like, <laughs> your, your wildest dreams as a teenager no, I don't think that they become artists. And I mean, I think it's a story that when they get older and they think about it, and the the kids are like, "Mom or Dad, when did you want it to be? You know, yeah. what did you want as a kid?" And like, "Oh yeah, yeah. remember when we were wanted this lighthouse thing? Remember how stupid we were? You know, that's that's just my thing. That's my take on any, it." Do you guys have any thoughts about like maybe what happens like after their kids have grown up and moved out, and they're kind of nearing retirement age what I kind do of- but everybody gets mad when I talk about the actual end of the story stuff but I, I do have headcans for it before, before you do that are you saying kids plural do they have two three I always say two, two? I've always in my head it's always been two yeah, that's my I've own personal like how much how it, let's get real into nitty gritty how much age difference do you think they get that because obviously they, the one thing that always not bothered me but was like you guys decided to have kids real young like they're what they did that was ridiculously I feel like they want that and then they have the kid and it's kind of a culture shock. So they wait a good long while. Yeah, I feel like they wait a while. And it'd almost be, I don't know. I mean, because Kurt was an only. So I've, you know, only. But also, I think Blaine Blaine grew up with Cooper. He wouldn't want too big a gap. Yeah, that's my thing. I grew up with a sibling close to me in age. You always. I also think it takes a lot more planning for them as well because it's not like they can decide they want to have kids and then they try for a baby. They can't do that. Yeah, exactly. That's why I feel like relatively quickly though, because I think maybe it's something that like okay, we're gonna have one kid and wait a couple of years and then start the process again because um, I, I you know they're both planners. They both you know got you know they're probably both thought this out. Um, I'm really mad at the finale because Tina's like, I've already heard your guys' version. What's Rachel's version? I'm like, nobody gives a shit about Rachel's version. Go back to Kurt and Blaine's version that we didn't hear. Um, but, also, but also, I feel like if my so my cousin and her wife has just had a had a baby, um, and so obviously it's a different situation in that in opposite genders. But um, they've they've done it so that they hope to have two children where they both will carry a baby, but they were hoping to use the same father for both so that the children yeah. are related. And I'm I feel guessing like if, if they wanted to do that with Rachel, though, I feel like it's a little bit harder because she probably wants to have her own kids at some point and, like, trying to coordinate all of that. Like, Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. I can't well, There are some, I don't there are some like, um, 
I've heard some theories that, like, even though Rachel carried the baby, that the egg was not hers. Oh, it's I've heard not. that too. It's de- I mean, I can remember. Yeah. I can just it it in no way. There's a difference between there's a huge huge difference between saying, "Hey, will you please you know be a surrogate and carry the baby?" and "Hey, will you be the mother of the baby?" Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't even think Glee frames it that way. I think Rachel is the surrogate. But She's not the, not the mother. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I, I just would not want that for Curtin Blit. I'm sorry. I just, especially <laughs> when, but I mean, especially the way she's like, Hey, we're going to start some of our own, you know, that's not yeah. the same thing. You know, it just would. No, 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 no. Um, I, it, I don't know why they would have asked Rachel in the first place because Rachel, it has so many other commitments with her performances, and you know, and that's you know, that's a real huge thing that you would have to really consider. Why would she? Do? I mean, you're like, oh, I just wanted to be nice for these guys. Like, it just, it uh, really. Uh, I mean, <laughs> don't even get me started. Um, but it's uh, yeah, definitely not realistic. I think it's it's like a sweet moment if you don't think about it. Too yeah, it is like most yeah. instantly. Um, but yeah, when it falls apart, I do like the idea that Quinn maybe still donated. Um, uh, not really though, but like it just, yeah, I'm sure they just picked a, a donor and they had donor eggs yes. and I'm sure they planned it out. And, um, yeah, I, I think they live a nice life. I think Kurt has his fashion line and they own a theater and they do performances and Blaine writes his musicals and the kids grow up and they're fine. And they always have two girls in my, but you know, you can do it anything. And then I think that they get older and um, it's always been my head canon, and, you know, just don't yell at me too much when I say this, that they get older and Blaine dies first because he just, he gets to, I know. It's it, because there, I don't, I mean, that's the way I wrote it in the story that I did write about that. Um, that, you know, if you want to feel sadness, go ahead and read it. But I do like they, you know, have this nice house and nice life together and Blaine and, you know, he just, he, he's just older and he passes away nicely in his sleep. And Kurt um, makes it a little while longer and is a curmudgeonly old man in a, in a home where he tells stories about like, I had this one head cannon. I did read that one. Actually. I remember now that you're saying, I'm yeah. like, I did read that and I cried. <laughs> There's a head cannon. I've always had that, you know, Blaine, like Kurt lives about 10 years longer than Blaine and near the end of his life, he's in this home and, um, he's just a cantankerous old man. He's a difficult old man to deal with. Like then they, nobody really likes dealing with him because he yells a lot and he'll throw things and he's just mean. And there's was one nurse who knows the trick to deal with Kurt. And so Kurt will be just, you know, grumpy and old and yelling things and he can't hear anything anymore and everything. And, and the nurse will come and be like, you know, come softly to Kurt and come sit him down or, you know, just, you know, and be like, okay, Kurt, deep breath. All right. Now tell me about Blaine. Tell me about your husband. And it calms him right down. And he starts talking about Blaine and it's a sweet, you know, sad thing because Blaine's not there anymore. And, and you get to hear really, really old Kurt talk about, you know, his husband who's passed away and, it, it's just a really sad moment, and then Kurt passes on, and that's the end of the story. 
I remember crying a lot, and now I feel like I want to cry. <laughs> I have one. I, I had one that I was I've been thinking about only just because I had like not a huge fan of the Notebook, just FYI, but more about the whole idea of like what if, like maybe if Kurt passed away first again, we're, we're really old. Oh yeah. Lane sort of has dementia and one of their grandchildren maybe looks a lot like Kurt. And so like anytime, you know, the grandchild or the child comes to visit, Blaine thinks it's Kurt. And it's like, Oh my God, let me tell you about, you know, when we met. Mm-hmm. And so like the, all of their kids and grandkids and friends and family know the story of how they met, but it's really like, it's one of the few times you actually get, like Blaine really lucid is when you get him talking about, you know, how mm-hmm. he met and their story, but all the other times it's kind of a very difficult time to actually have to, to see him. Like they only like to see him when this one grandchild comes to visit. Mm-hmm. But that's also really sad. And I don't like yeah. to think that's really sad. sad. I, I, and it's weird. I have this like fascination with endings and that's just, I've, I've, that's why I've thought about like, Kurt and Blaine is very old people because it's just like, okay, well, this is the end of the story. Well, they're, they uh, are eventually going to get old if this were real life. Yeah. <laughs> there's going to be, I mean, you know, there's only two endings of the story of a love story. They break up or they die. So, mm-hmm. I mean. But I think they have lo- a really long and happy life together. And oh, yeah. yeah I, don't, I'd like, I don't think either of them, I would not like to think either of them would maybe get sick or whatever i think i would like to think that both of them just kind of pass away peacefully i yeah that's what i always pictured both of them kind of just you know being you know pretty they're pretty healthy people so they eventually just die of old age and i like think what that happens. Is, especially after his scares with bert would like yeah. be on it they'd be regular yeah. cups for both of them yep limiting those so. cronuts for brain <laughs> It's, He's allowed one for not like on social occasions. <laughs> um, I don't see. I don't. I also don't like the whole like. Sorry. <clears throat> I know there are stories out there like this, but you know where there are one of them like dies early in a car crash, and how does the other one go on? And so I like mm, oh, I don't like that kind of stuff. I they just they both grow old. And grow old together. Have a nice mm-hmm. life, and they pass on. And I I always figured. I, it's not terribly far apart. I mean, it's not like one of them is living extendedly long, longer after the other, but you know, it doesn't have to be super dramatic either. Like this is just how, no. yeah, no, mine. That's why, like in my, the story that I wrote, it was just really simple. And I, I think that of both of them, like, yeah. you know, my, my own grandfather, he passed away. Like he was older. He was almost a hundred oh. and he, um, he was 97. Yeah. And he, um, he was just getting older and just not functioning anymore. And he, they set up a cot in his study, which was his favorite place because it's all his books and where he used to do all of his favorite things. And he fell asleep one night and he didn't wake up the next morning. So he literally died in the place that he loved the most, surrounded by things that he loved the most. And that's what I want from pretty much everybody. So I feel like I, I would also like to think that Whichever one of them had like passed away first, you know, at it, it would be a really sad thing. But the the lev- there would be like some levity and like the eulogy where it would be like we had enough drama as young people. We deserve mm-hmm. 
they deserve to die peacefully. Well, and I, I think that's also the thing that Glee is trying to say at the end, too, even though I think it's a little muddled. But I think the point was, you know, this journey was tumultuous, but they're going to have a happy life together because they've been through all of that. To begin yeah, they with. made it. They made it through the other side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what dreams come true. It's happily ever after. Besides, if you yeah. choose to believe Blaine's proposal speech, they're going to meet again in the next life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's always another life. There's always another story. Um, you know, the world moves on. It won't be as tumultuous, but depends on yeah. what victory. And then exactly. they find each other in the next life. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I don't know if we could say anything else that really poetically sums it up. So we probably should wrap up there. I choose to to be the sappy romantic and believe that Blaine was right. And the two of them do meet again in the next life. Yes, exactly. So leave it open-ended like that. And I want to thank you guys for um, what's going to be a very Very long long. conversation, a long podcast, probably one of the longest ones we've done. I um, but it's always easy when it's us. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Talk about Blaine. What can I say? <laughs> um, I'm not sure exactly what we're doing next Sunday, but it'll be something interesting um, as we barrel down towards the white wrapping up of season six and of the podcast. So um, join us next week, and I hope you guys have a great Sunday. But now they're okay Only me or my You're the apple of my eye Girl, I never loved one like you Found you hiding here So won't you take my hand, darling There's nothing that can stop you From becoming popular Lar